Hello and welcome to the Ghoul Squad Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Ghoul Squad podcast, everybody. I am Keegan Preslak. I am Eric Hoff. And this is a horror podcast where two buddies in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the nowhere, get together hopefully once a millennium and talk horror movies and whatever the fuck else is going on. And, And lately, COVID apparently. Right. Aside from that, I think we're doing good. I think getting, we're doing good. Getting together to record. Yes. Hello, everybody. Hello, Eric. Yes. How, How are, are you? I'm okay. What about yourself? You're okay. I'm okay. I'm always sad and depressed now. Yeah. yeah. So I know the feeling. Do you? Okay. No, well, not exactly, but <laughs> but no, um, no, how are you doing? I mean, how's, uh, I guess we might as well kick Everything it off. Everything makes me cry now. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. You know, so let's, I'm going to say it off the fucking bat. Go ahead. Yeah. What's I'm up? say it off the fucking bat. Uh, hello, everybody. This is a horror movie podcast, but we, we usually start with a bunch of bullshit. And if you hate that, just turn us off. Right. You, you always go like 25 minutes into each episode. Uh, Eric, what's the topic for today's episode? And uh, so we're going to rank Warner Brothers. Oh, yeah. Good, good and, job. Yes. And good job, Legendary's uh, MonsterVerse. Yes. Great. Thank you for doing that. And that, that's obviously, you know, began with the 2014 Godzilla and most recently. So we're going to rank four films. Godzilla vs. Kong. Exactly. We're going to rank four movies from these guys, the, 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 what we call the MonsterVerse. Correct. And then we're also going to review Godzilla vs. Kong. So basically this is, here's what this is. This is our Godzilla vs. Kong review episode. Slash ranking the MonsterVerse episode. And, and so basically slash just a MonsterVerse, the four films, Godzilla, uh, Kong, uh, Skull Island, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and Godzilla vs. Kong. So I rewatched Godzilla vs. Kong yesterday to make sure it was fresh in my head for I've uh, seen today's it twice. episode. Nice. So yeah. And I thought I was going to fucking cry at everything. Really? Godzilla vs. Kong. That's yeah, not that's a not movie. Good, duh. That's, that's not, not good. a movie. A not very emotional movie. Yeah, but I was like, oh my god. We're, so so yeah. So you asked me how I'm doing. I'm just sad and depressed the all guy, the time. When the when the guy at the beginning offers his chapstick, did that make you cry too? Offers chapstick. Doesn't he have like chapstick or something? And he's just, I don't know. We'll get to that. Okay, we'll get there. We'll get to that. So but, so now that you know how I'm doing, Keegan, how are you doing? I'm generally doing pretty well. It's uh, I feel like it is kind of funny. generally generally. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're both like sort of like caveating like eh, sort of. No, I mean I'm doing good. I mean I think what's crazy is like this is the first time we've recorded so quickly, and I know like I ba- basically I don't want this to become the podcast where all we do is talk about like when and how often we record. Sure, we're basically it's definitely a running gag. It's absolutely a running gag. So no, it's it's I'm super excited that it was only about a month ago that we did an episode, which I know sounds probably comical if you've never listened to us, but we're excited to be recording. Right, uh, and I think it's worth noting. Uh, you and I are both uh, fully vaccinated. Yes, yes. And so it feels great to uh, be speaking with you, recording with you, and uh, being maskless. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're maskless. So yeah. I mean, there's so much going on uh, in the world, and we are both vaccinated. What'd you get? Which one? Pfizer. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. So you didn't grow a third arm yet? No. And you know what? Even when I got the second shot, uh, I didn't have any like symptoms. My really? arm was sore. Really? No. I went to work the next day. I felt fine. 
if we want to do the vaccine conversation, I don't remember if I talked about it on the last one. I got like a really bad headache, like 24 hours after my second shot. So a while mm. I got a horrible headache and then I felt like crap for about six hours and went to bed, woke up the next morning, completely fine. Here's what's fucked so up. I, I, I didn't give a shit. It was like nothing basically for me. Here's what's fucked up. I get to work. I mean, I work the following day and after I'd already made it back to the office from my route, I'm just like, uh, I'm talking to a coworker. I'm like, hey, I got my second uh, vaccine shot mm-hmm. yesterday. And another coworker of mine overhears that. And she asked me, what kind of leave that did I use? And I was like, oh, I just used my annual leave. And she was like, did you know that we all have 600 hours of COVID leave? Huh. I was like, no one fucking told me this. You know, you got to get with your union guy. I'm not in the union. That's my thing. So what I'm getting at is like, I could have taken time off for the shot. And then I could have taken days off after the shot. And And I fucking didn't know any of this. I was going to say, and we all know Eric would have used and abused his leave policy. I'm currently six days in on an 11 day break. Fuck yeah, dog. And I'm riding... Real low. Because <laughs> <laughs> you put your hand up. I'm like, well, you're not exactly riding high. It doesn't yep. sound like. Yep. Um, no, I mean, it's just exciting. I mean, I know like this sounds so general and everybody's saying it, but it's just so weird that like we all, you know, you know, vaccines, they're not perfect. We know the whole story, but I just can't believe like a year ago, we said this on the last podcast, but now that you're, you're fully vaccinated sure. and two weeks out, you know, we both are. And it's just like who, I can't believe it actually happened. Right. Like here we are in, uh, what is this? April. And, oh, holy shit. Okay. So let's do this. And, and this plays into that. Our movie theater opens in a week. Opens in a week. And Mortal Kombat drops. And Mortal Kombat drops. I think we're tentatively planning to go. Nice. So, so if you want to come, I'll, 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 I'll hit you the deets. I, closer I de- to the date. I definitely want to. I am pissed though, because the opening date they picked is my days on. I work on oh, those days. Gotcha. I can go gotcha. to the movies and I'm, and I may go, we'll see what I, what happens, but let's just take, who gives a shit about my work schedule? Sure. Uh, our fucking local movie theater is about to reopen. Let me drop some bullshit on you just real quick. Okay. Let's hear Just it. real fucking quick. Okay. So, uh, so here in New Mexico, yes. Uh, there's, there's four levels of, uh, they're described as color colors on how many cases each county has of COVID, right? Oh, is this the COVID podcast? Well, sure. It's the COVID conspiracy. No, I'm joking. Gonna, I'm joking. Should I call the governor? No, I just, I'm just trying to, I just want to drop some shit on you real quick. Go ahead. You know, so, uh, you know, for a long time, you know, we're in the red. That's like the highest cases. There's yellow, green, turquoise for a theater to open in New Mexico, you know, by the, the green, the rules, right. That the governor has established is green, but we're currently turquoise. That's above green. Yeah. It's like, uh, restaurants can be open at like 75% capacity yes. or some bullshit. My brother, this is, this fucking sucks stuff. <laughs> okay. My fucking brother, uh, is a art teacher at the sixth grade Academy here in Carlsbad. And one of his kids tested positive. Uh-oh. So what that means is, and like the way this school, uh, is like set up and contact tracing or whatever. And this is even how it was like when I was in middle school, like the same 75 kids, you know, they say that they're on a team. I'm using error uh, quotations. And, you know, they go to the same teachers. They go to yeah, the same yep. classes. They have the same lunch. We did the same thing at uh, PR. Right, exactly. Did you go to PR? I did go to PR. I'm not sure I knew that. So You all... seem more like an AV type of kid. No, fuck no. I went to PR. So anyway. <laughs> so Shout out to Lucas Middleton. He went to AV. <laughs> so all 74 other kids 
have to like do online okay, yeah, schooling sure. now. You know, my, my brother has to do online teaching for like the next two, 10 days, I think. And, you know, as well as those other teachers. How so does this wrap into the movie theater? I'm getting there, dude. Okay, no, all right, no. I'm getting there. So I was texting Dana that, and he was like, yeah, four uh, school bus drivers tested positive. So I guess all those kids that rode those buses are in the same boat where they're yeah. having to quarantine for 10 days. What I'm getting at, Da, is it seems like I hope it doesn't just unravel for us. I don't think so. When we're this fucking close that uh, we won't be able to go because all these cases could pop up. Yeah, I will. That's s- what I'm getting I at. will say, you know, okay, so this is super in the weeds because we don't, we have people that aren't... Who who knew we would have people not from New Mexico listening Listen to this to, podcast? Sure. By the way, thank you. But, um, you know, in New Mexico, so... Currently, Eddy County is turquoise. Um, you can open in green, which is prior. We were green. Now we're turquoise, which is the best. Um, so if we went back to green, technically they could open, but it wouldn't be worth it business-wise. Yeah. Didn't they like even say they wouldn't open when yeah. they were green? But here's my thinking. They're planning to open. If they do open, I'm guessing they're not going to suddenly shut down if we go back to green. So we may bounce to green and turquoise maybe a couple times. But I, I mean, I think it's opening. I think right. we're good. I'm, I'm maybe I'm too optimistic. Who knew? It's exciting that I, uh, I would be the optimistic one. I, I guess if I had a small thing to nitpick, I would be excited to watch a film that wasn't one of the Warner Brothers HBO Max films. It's coming. Spiral. You, no, you're right. We're like you're less right. than a month away. You're 100 percent right. So, but I, mean, I meant for my first sure. time back at the theater. Yeah, and don't give me. And, I, and I'm fucking pumped for Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I just wish it wasn't something I could easily access at home. I feel like we've seen too much of Mortal Kombat. Like I, I feel like I've, I've stayed away from it pretty good. I know, but I feel like I've seen all the iconography now. It's like okay, cool. So I don't know. I'm kind of not that excited about can it. Can you say that simply because you know the video game, or you're or you're speaking specifically? No, I just feel like the new film. I feel like they didn't hold anything back. Like when I saw, uh, okay, so we'll talk this in a minute. I saw Godzilla versus Kong in a theater. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw the trailer and it's like, it showed, well, I don't want to say it showed a lot. And I was like, okay, so other than, I guess I'm going now for the gore. Cause I haven't seen that yet. And we hear right. that there's very rated R. Right. So that's exciting. I don't know. I've just kind of, I don't want to say soured. I'm excited for mortal Kombat, but I'm not that excited. I don't know why. Hmm. I don't know why. Like spiral is obviously the next saw film and that's in may and that's coming out and so as long as our 21st yeah as long as our theater opens now i will say if that plays imax i may try to see that in imax but if it doesn't it will just fucking see it here i'd like to dub spiral the beginning of uh horror movie season yes because from there then we got like conjuring three yes it's just Um, boom 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 malignant is not that far off yeah right um and then halloween kills right so i mean there you go. Fucking Halloween kills. Uh, Candyman should be at some point. That's October as well. Oh, is it? Okay. It is. So, yeah. So, I mean, our theater's opening. Uh, holy shit. You Big know, deal. And people are being vaccinated. So, I know part of it is like, you know, should we be doing all this? And it's like, well, I'm vaccinated. So, I hopefully am okay. And we'll still wear masks and all that right. shit. So, um, what I'm worried about is, you know, uh, Allen Theater is, something, is, is a part of something called Cinema Safe. Yeah. And, you know, and there's like a whole list of things that, you know, new guidelines that they're following. Right. And one of them is like staggering showtimes, not selling as many tickets. And I feel like in a big, you know, like somewhere where people give a flying fuck about anything. Well, no, no. What I was going to suggest was like, if it was a big theater, that probably would be fine. You could mm -hmm. probably still sell a lot of tickets, but our auditoriums are so small. How is that going to play into it? Yeah. If they're only selling limited tickets. 
I'm for the limited tickets. I, I think I think for us, we're gonna know. Like, have, do you buy tickets online? That's like part. That's like one of the new guidelines. Well, no, I'm asking you. Have you bought tickets online? No, every single theaters? time I go to a, a fucking theater, theatrical showing, Dano buys the tickets and then I give him money. That is crazy. <laughs> but uh, no, so for me, like, I'm just gonna make sure I buy tickets early. And if there's only six people in the auditorium, who gives a fuck? Because I'm gonna buy my no, tickets no, no, early. No, yeah, right, fuck. exactly. Yeah, no, no, but no you're, you're, you're talking fine, from, from a business standpoint. It's a fine, right? Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm pro less people in the auditorium. Yeah, it's a probably also less chance of there being some asshole. Yep, in the fucking but auditorium. But ch- in this town, chances are pretty fucking high <laughs> there's going to be some <laughs> asshole, asshole in the right. fucking auditorium. You got me there. So what? I mean, that's it. Maybe for the for for our beginning of the podcast. Sure. I mean, um, I'm not sure I really have anything else. Uh, oh, I'm moving. Okay, that's exciting. Uh, so that's, oh, I'm moving, number one. And two, I used my brand new MacBook to edit the last episode of the podcast. I felt like you got it out quick. It was fucking awesome. It was incredible. Now, here's the thing. I still have to like edit it. I still listen to the whole thing. I still do the same thing I always did. But uh, I posted this picture on Twitter just exporting the podcast. The episode I did before this one, it took 23 minutes on my old laptop to export and the the first episode I ever did on my new laptop, it took a minute. Jesus. So a minute. So all you need to know is a minute versus 24 minutes. Right. 23, 24 minutes. Awesome. And so uh, anyways, it, it's just news for me, but I have my new MacBook and it's fucking amazing. And I only bought it to edit this podcast. And so the next thing coming, hopefully we'll, I'm going to get is this. Is me saying I want to go on another hiatus. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, and that's what, that's what's, I will say, you know, being Learned honest. about. That is what has stopped me from getting the podcast board that I want so many times is I'm like, is Eric going to go well, AWOL I, again? You know, you know, now that we're vaccinated, you're getting your own place. I, I would like to think, I'm probably getting ahead of myself, that you know, I, we increase. I agree. Uh, something but Keegan we don't want to get have, too optimistic. Right. Something Keegan and I, and I have always talked about is doing smaller yes. episodes. Like maybe we just review one film as opposed to, you know, ranking an entire totally. franchise. And, you know, and that would help us get episodes out quicker. Sure. And that's probably the plan is whenever I move, I'll have my own place. And it's not that like, you know, I can't do it now, but I'm going to, ha- I'm going to sort of make probably my kitchen table, like the podcast table. Gotcha. Cause who am I kidding? I'm not going to eat it at my kitchen table. Sure. You're going to eat in front of your TV. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm basically we're heading towards like a more streamlined being able to do the podcast. And that's what I'm fucking excited about. Right. I've got the better MacBook. I need to get a podcast board. Let me say real quick. I mean, this podcast has really been able to be done because of me stealing Andrew Sierra's podcast equipment that he sort of lent me and, and I never, never gave, gave back, back and he yeah. never asked for. So, so I do want to quickly say like, not jokingly, uh, thank you, Andrew, even though he never really agreed to like letting me keep this shit. So and this is like five years later. <laughs> I know, this is the whole podcast that we've ever done. Right. So anyways, uh, Andrew Sierra, uh, truly, even though I'm saying thank you to something you never agreed to. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, no, so, I mean, it really wouldn't have been possible in the way that we've been doing it without Andrew buying this shit. So I'm watching uh, the new Mighty Ducks on Disney Plus. Why? Because it's so good. And uh, I heard it was bad, but oh, uh, maybe dude, I, maybe I my my Friday night has reached TGIF levels. Like the restaurant because uh, new episodes of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and uh, Invincible on on Prime Video. 
Um, there's a character who has a podcast and he just has like a microphone plugged into his phone. And I'm, and I, and I thought Keegan would not accept that. No, hell no. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, not that our audio is the best. And, and I will say like editing it, sometimes I get self-conscious even about the audio we do have. And it's not Andrew's equipment. It's like, sometimes like I'm not, I I'm still literally learning every time I put these out. Like I'm trying not to make them too loud, but I'm trying not to make them too quiet. And sometimes I'm like, fuck, this one's too loud. Like, sometimes you got to turn me down because I'm just shouting. Which is good. That's better than not being able to hear you. But then even me, it's it's also my fault for not like doing the levels right. So trust me, I'm trying, everybody. I hope that we sound okay. Right. Um, but uh, anyways, so yeah, I'm, I'm moving to a new apartment. And uh, shout out to Wes Yerby, my, my current roommate. Uh, he's buying a house, uh, which I don't want to announce his news, but... Um, he's buying a house and so I'm moving out to a one bedroom and I'm super excited. So anyways, let's, let's, I think we're good. We're good. I'm I'm done on this. I'm moving. I'm excited. Um, guys, that's the episode. Yeah. Thanks guys. Everybody, uh, like subscribe and hit the bell. So Eric, yes. Should we talk horror movies? Let's talk horror movies and horror things. Well, before, well, hang on. We got to play the music. Okay. Hit it. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Don't you fucking love that? I actually love Let's All Go to the Lobby. Like that's one of my favorite things that we ever picked. Um, I feel like we picked like well, I don't want to toot our own horns. I feel like we picked like the best uh drops. The grindhouse theme. Well, that's what I'm saying. The grindhouse theme. Um, and then also Eric Coffin's Terror Tunes, which there should be one this episode, right? Right. But we'll do that later. We'll do that later. Eric, I think you should go first. Gladly. This is the what we've been watching uh, part of the podcast. And Eric, Hoff, yes. Stetter. Uh, so so recently- What have you been watching? Uh, I've been revisiting a few films. I think trying to feel nostalgic. And so- Trying. Uh, trying to. Just, just something to make me feel better, happier. And, uh, you look great, Nah, I will say. Oh, okay. We we forgot to announce this. Hang on, I gotta stop oh, yeah. him. Uh, Colby has just arrived. Damn, the, look how the, happy she is. The, well, it's a it's a boy. Um, it's some, a boy. Sometimes we think he may be confused, but I've been saying she for the last five years. I don't. Hang on. Can you hear this? Hi, Colby. Uh, go ahead, Eric. Keegan's brother Ben uh, just brought back the dog from the groomers. And so that is that commotion. Yes. Yeah, we're recording at my brother's house. Thank you, Ben. And uh, he was taking his little Yorkshire Terrier to the groomer. Looks good. They yeah. did a good job. He he looks great. Uh, what, what's it called? Puppin' Pals? Barkin' Buds. Puppin' Suds. The park, the the pet parlor. Yes, Barkin' Buds. Yes. I, uh, I, I want to go professional uh, rollerblading, but my dad won't let me. So I've got a, a, a job at the pet parlor. To help pay Brink. for my skates. Brink? Yes. Yeah. One uh, time. Go uh, ahead. Go ahead, Eric. One time I showed uh, Melissa Brink. Uh-oh. And I was like, we have to double feature it with Airborne. And she was like, no. She didn't one, like Brink? One roll, one 90s rollerblade movie was too much. What about Rad? Did you guys watch and Rad? I was, 
You know, I haven't seen Rad since I was probably like seven. I've never seen Rad. Oh. Well, now we have this alternative Weird. Yeah. element in, in the house. <laughs> ben has arrived. And also this uh, this dog. Yes. This little Yorkshire Terrier. It sounds like a... A pig. Right. Yeah. And he looks like a pig. He okay. eats like a pig and he also <laughs> fucks like a pig. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways, let's get okay, back to what, it. What, 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 what we've been watching. So, right. So if you do hear commotion, it's it's my brother's uh, dog. Correct. And he will settle down. So we're going to continue. Eric, uh, what was your first what you've been watching? Oh, right. nostalgia. Nostalgia. So uh, I recently watched uh, the original Evil Dead, uh, Bad Taste. Um <laughs> Now Ben's putting his feet up in his recliner. Uh, okay, I think we, I think we come out. Well, uh, hobo, <laughs> hobo with a shotgun, which you know I didn't like as much as I, I used to. Uh, but one film that why don't I, you think you liked it as much because of the mean spiritedness or what was it? Yes, exactly. That, that's sure, exactly yeah. it. Yeah. And so maybe it was just my current mind frame of yeah. Because I, I know when it came out, E Dog liked it. Yeah, right. It it. I mean, I'll let you keep going, but yeah, mean-spiritedness always, I feel like the older we get and the more we see and the more we deal with in our lives, it's harder to watch like just jokingly mean-spirited movies. Right. But I also feel like, but like, I also feel like some of it is like true. Like there's that part where that guy is like filming like bum fights and to think that that was like actually a thing at real time. I'm like, holy fuck, that is like fucked up. You know, that's like how he gets the money. You know, so to buy the shotgun. What's the line of those two brothers that are in that school bus and they throw the grenade in the school bus or something? Uh, what does he say? He says like "fuck you" or something like that. That I don't remember. One part that you don't remember that. To, no, no, I mean I re- I don't remember that specific line. Oh sure, I, mean, I just watched the film, so but of did, course that did happen in the movie. Right there's a okay. the part where they set a school bus on fire with children and, in it, and I think they say like Santa Claus isn't real or something uh, like that. There's a part where they go to like, which by the way he is real, but go ahead. There, there's a part where they go to beat up uh, Rudger Hauer. Yeah, and uh, one of them is wearing ice skates. And it's Slick and Ivan. Those are the two brothers. Okay. And Slick tells Ivan, you're going to ruin your ice skates. And and Ivan says, I ruin everything. That's right. I remember that yeah. too. Yeah. That's a, probably my favorite line in the film. So uh, anyways. Uh, that's Hobo with a Shotgun. That's Hobo with a Shotgun. If yeah. you guys want to watch that. Uh, Jason Eisner uh, directed. Um, he did that uh, short in VHS with the dog. And the dog uh, dies. God damn it. Well, man. <laughs> Spoilers, <laughs> duh. Sorry, I'm giving spoilers for VHS two. That was VHS one. Or was it two? I think it was two. Oh, you're right. Because one, the is, one where like the kids are having a pool party. There's and, aliens. And yeah, aliens show up. Yeah. Have you ever heard of the McPherson tapes? No. Okay, it's a 19 like 86 found footage film about a family. They're celebrating their daughter's like fifth birthday party, and so they're filming it, you know, on VHS, and then aliens show up. And I just barely heard of this because Shudder just put it up. Oh, nice. And, uh, you know, and so I guess it's like one of the earliest found footage films. Nice. Okay. The first film I actually want to legitimately that, that name talk about. sounds familiar, McPherson Tapes, but no, the answer is no. I, I hadn't really. Maybe you're it. just thinking Poughkeepsie Tapes. Could be. You know. That's, that's it's so insane to me how the Poughkeepsie Tapes has become a movie that like everyone talks about. It's not. Been the most Scream Factory, right? Yeah, and it's not been the most popular movie ever made, but every time somebody brings up like found footage or anything, like people are like, "Oh yeah," and the Poughkeepsie tapes. I tweeted this, but a coworker told me he watched it and he thought it was like legitimate, and I was like, "Oh, okay, you're a fucking idiot." And <laughs> <laughs> what was his name and address and social security number? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what Daisy's working and where yeah, you can find him. Exactly. Right. 
Uh, no, so the first film I legitimately want to okay, here we go. Uh, talk well, about what we've been watching, folks. What, what what we've been watching is High Tension. Oh, uh, this Alexander Aja. Right, this is definitely a favorite here uh, at the Goal Squad. What what year would you say this is? Two thousand four, two thousand three, and then I think in America it came out in two thousand four because this is Haute Tension, right? From France. It's it's French title, right? Yeah. Uh, if if you haven't seen High Tension, uh, it is a home invasion film. Uh, it's about these two girls uh, in college. Alex and I don't know if it's Marie or Marie. Uh, I'm going to say Marie. Uh, Alex's family lives in like the countryside. Uh, very, very like small village town. And the plan there is to go so they can study for their upcoming finals and there will be no uh, distractions. Yes. So the first night that they're there, this man shows up, breaks into the house and kills the family except for Alex and kidnaps her. And so the friend Marie goes after to try to save her. Uh, I think this is also like titled switchblade romance, isn't it? That I've never heard, but that's a pretty cool title. Let me quickly say that my brother is going to play Fortnite in the living room. Yes. So uh, if you hear clicking and clacking, it's the controller. But thank you, Ben, for letting us record here. Yes, thank you. And thank you, Andrew, for letting us steal your podcast equipment. Right. Where would Ghoul Squad be without other people? I know. No shit. Yeah. So um, the the first time I watched uh, High Tension, the way I remember it, for some reason, it was just me and my dad at home. And it was already like late. He was already in his room. I was already in my room. And I remember it was just too scary uh, for me that I turned it off. Uh, there's a scene uh, whenever the man first gets in the house. Uh, he rings the doorbell. The father goes to answer the door. And using a, a switchblade that he has, he cuts the father's face really bad. And the father's trying to get away. He's he's crawling. He's crawling up the stairs. Oh, the the dresser. The Right. The yeah. intruder uh, is in the house now. And as the father's trying to climb up the stairs... The intruder pushes his head through the railings of the stairs. So now the father's head is stuck. Pin, pinned between the railing. Right. Yeah. And he goes and he gets a, a chest of drawers and he slams it across his head so hard it decapitates the father. And, yeah. I, and I remember that was the line for me. I was like, oh, sh- holy shit. This is like too intense. This is too scary for me. Uh, so I turned it off. But like shortly after that, I was like, no, I have to know you know, what happens, you know, yeah. so I, so I quickly turned it on, but I remember I, the first time I watched high tension, I turned it off and I wonder how I saw it. I wonder if you maybe let me borrow maybe. it or I, I always feel like high tension. I have memories of high tension and hostile on the wall of new releases at Hastings. Yeah. 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 Uh, it was that same era. And it was, it was crazy because hostile was like financed by Lionsgate, like put out as this inner, uh, uh, domestic wide film. And at that same time, they were getting like these imports and putting them out like they were American films. Right. Like The Descent, well, I think fell into that category. Yeah, because The Descent came out a year prior in the UK and then they like revised the ending and put it out here. And they did the same thing with High Tension where they they put um, English audio in it, I'm pretty sure. And... Yeah, so uh, it, it was this whole. This is like our favorite era, and my was my favorite right. era of horror because it's sort it, of. This is definitely a formative time for us. Yeah, uh, and, and these then, early two thousands. And what's so crazy is like growing up into this torture porn type era, which I don't even really think high tension is torture porn, but it is sadistically violent. It, it's definitely not torture porn, but yeah. I can see why it would get lumped for sure uh, in, into that category. And I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I'm gonna say high tension over hostile. If I had to pick the better film. 
Um, that's just personal. That's yeah, just E-Doc. I, I need to rewatch High Tension. I've actually been really wanting to, but just just for to what you're saying, um, God, that would be hard. I think High Tension is probably the better movie, but Hostel is just such a like, like there's like in horror, you know, there's like several, you know, if you look back, it's like only a few movies out of a, of a couple years that are like the moment for horror. One around that era was Saw. And then I think Hostel. I like Hostel a bunch. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying I, I like Saw a bunch. I Didn't last time you see Hostel, you said you didn't like the the uh, the that, bro dudes that the, are in it and shit? Definitely. The first 45 minutes yeah. of where they're just like going and acting like assholes and trying to fuck. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, Which but, is part of the point of that movie. But sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Yeah. You're right. You know, that, that I think he was going for two extremes. That first half is sex and that second half is violence. Right. Which, you know, thinking about it, I'm just like, yeah, that's tight. Uh, so b- before I continue with high tension, there, there's a reason I watched uh, high tension. I, I have questions about high tension for you, but should I wait? You can hit them with me now. Well, I'm I, just I'm, I'm going to keep going for a minute on high tension. Okay, so here's what I'm interested. You said you just watched Hobo with a Shotgun. Yes, you didn't like the mean spiritedness of it, and that sort of pinged, you know, in my head questions of. Um, is it just simply the tone of the dialogue and stuff like that, that you didn't like about it, that it's like actively mean spirited because I love, like, I, I finally watched a film that I thought was a sort of, I guess when I say mean spirited, I don't just mean like the tone of the dialogue and what the characters are doing. I also mean like the just atmosphere and tone of the film. Like, and I think high tension, it has a mean spirited look at the world, but it's not actively lighting kids on fire in a school bus. Right. And so my question to you would be when you rewatched it, was that, did you have, did you struggle with high tension as well because no. of your current state no. mind state? No, I didn't. Uh, okay. So that and, makes sense. And in fact, uh, I, you're not wrong with saying like high tension is, is a bit of a rough watch, but as I was watching it, I was thinking like, Oh, I bet you my mom would like this just cause it's like, it's female centric and as brutal as it is, it's just like taut and just like tension filled the entire time. You're kind of just like on pins and needles. And High this is, tension. Yeah, exactly. Appropriately named. And, you know, and this is a film that I've seen, you know, X number of times. And yet I was still like, you know, on sick. edge. Right. Exactly. So I guess because there was that like caliber of suspense that it, it kind of manages the, the brutality. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to everybody out there that we're continuing to go on this, but that that whole like tension and suspense of like, it always reminds me, it o- I always go back to like the opening of martyrs mm. when like people are just being shotgunned in the face and stuff. And it's just like brutal violence, but, and realism. But I, I always tend to call that mean spirited, but I think there's a difference between that and hope with a shotgun. Right. Like, you know, you know, high tension, I've, you know, I feel like it's engaging. Yeah, you know, you know, like I said, you know, I turned it off, and yet I still wanted to know what happened, so I had to turn it back on. Whereas in the beginning of Hobo with a Shotgun, a man gets decapitated, and as his body, his upper torso, you know, is just a geyser of blood, uh, a woman in a bikini comes and starts dancing in it. Yeah, that's two totally different yeah, things. Yeah, I think you know? it's like, like the flipping. we're trying to be shocking and right. mean right now. It's it's tension is like we're we're trying to create something suspenseful here and, and they achieve are you ready are you ready it's cinematic there you go and i think that the, and, I, and i'm not shitting on hobo with the shotgun i like that movie too uh and i do sometimes like that mean-spirited version of a film 
because uh, that also reminds me of like Toxic Avenger. Sure. Like in Toxic Avenger, I think they run the kid over with the bike, and then right. they, and then they take a picture of it, and then the girl I think masturbates in the shower to it, and like that reminds me of Hobo with the Shotgun. Sure. And that to me is different than the cinematic, mean spirited tension of stuff like High Tension or Martyrs. Or recently, The Lodge for me right. is a movie that I loved, but we'll we'll talk in a minute. So, Eric, high tension. I'm yes. d- I'm done interrupting. Go ahead. I wish to continue. Uh, high tension. I got some more to say. Uh, so I got some shit to say. Okay. So, uh, um, I had an awful time watching it though. So uh, I've got a DVD copy of it, right? So I'm watching it. I'm like maybe 30 minutes into the film, and it just skips. Uh, I don't, and it and it advances, Ugh. and I and I haven't seen it in so long that I don't know how much how much you missed. I've missed right exactly, so I'm like fuck. So I'm thinking, okay, well maybe I'll just see if I can rent it, you know, like from the Microsoft Store mm-hmm. or something. So when I go to check to see if it's available anywhere, it's available free to watch on the IMDb TV app. Okay, yeah, and so I'm like, that's oh, a, that's actually that's Amazon. And so I'm like, oh, okay, Amazon, I'll I'll watch it on here. So I go to where it has um, skipped, right? Mm-hmm. And I've and I've missed the 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 film has advanced that I've missed a fair bit. And one thing that I'm initially turned off on is it's uh, it's in English. And oh, whenever, and whenever I was watching the DVD, I didn't know this, but you know I'm in the film setup menu, and there's a U.S. Uh, unrated cut, and then there is a director's yeah cut yeah and. Uh, and then you can, and then you could pick the English language. Yeah. And so I had picked the director's yeah. cut. I, like I said, I want to say this was part of that, and it was slightly changed somehow in the ending. So, well, oh, that's a good question. That I don't know. I'm but, pretty sure. But uh, but what happened was is so okay. So now I'm watching. You remember they did this with the descent. They did. There's two. One she she gets out yeah. of the cave in one, and the other she doesn't. Well. <laughs> I'm just Spoil- spoiling the fucking descent for you, descent, but yeah, yeah. So, so now I'm watching High Tension on the IMDb TV app, and there's a part where uh, Maria, Marie, she's hiding in the parents' closet. Oh, with the and what are those called? Uh, slap board or what is that? Uh, right. She she can see through. What is that fucking called? I I I literally have no idea what that's called. Damn it! Okay, but she can see what's happening yes, in the bedroom. That's one of my favorite fucking scenes in cinema. So she's so she's hiding in the closet. The intruder comes into the bedroom. He's he has already attacked uh, the mother. The mother is now crawling, and right in front of the fucking closet, uh, he slits her throat. And so, as I said, when I started watching this, I'm watching the unrated director's cut, right? And so that scene happens. That kill happens, and I was like. No, I and, and not that I've seen High Tension recently, but I'm like, that kill is so much more gory than what I just saw. Mm-hmm. And and just because I felt like I was missing out on gore and because it was in English, I turned it off. And I was like, I'm going to fucking try the DVD again. So uh, the part where it skips, I'm able to just like fast forward now and I'm able to get a little further because sure. I've watched so much more on the IMDb. Uh, TV at yep, and I was fucking right. In that fucking scene, the intruder slits the mom's throat, pulls her head yes, back, yeah, and then you can see blood. Like, doesn't the out. blood splatter all over the uh, the the white closet? Uh, well, then he lays her down and he cuts off her hand, oh, that's and that's right, when yeah. the blood splashes that's on right, the closet. Yeah. So I just thought it was funny that I was like, no, this kill is gorier. Yeah. I'm not watching the full thing. So 
the DVD's working now at this point, and I'm like, okay, well, this is tight. You know, sorry to interrupt again, but that that was what was so that that right there is French extremism to me. You don't just slit someone's throat, killer, and, and now you're cutting off her hand. Well, not just that, but also French extremism to me is, oh, we're gonna slice this person's throat open, and it's gonna be bloody. But also, they're gonna fucking put their neck back and open the wound up, and it's right. gonna expose the all this shit, and like. And it's almost like Fulci level violence where it's like, really, did you need to pull the head back so that it fucking opened up further? I'm so glad you said Fulci. Yeah. Because he's coming up here in a second. Uh, so now I'm watching the... Uh, but that to me is French extremism, yeah. So so now I'm watching the DVD again and I'm happy because I know for sure I'm watching the unrated shit and I'm watching it, you know, in French. And then sure enough, like during the climax, like the big reveal has already happened. Which don't spoil that. I won't. Any, and But for the record... E-Dog is, is pro-reveal, pro-twist. I know people were... Some people don't like what happens there mm-hmm, at the end, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's cool. I think it's great. Um, I think it's cool. I mean, who? for me, it's like that film is so... Like, to me, it's like... I feel like people get so focused on reveals because of the reveal. It's like, well, obviously, it was important because it was a reveal, right? You know, let's, let's, take, let's talk reveals for one moment. Because for me, it's like, cool, but this movie's so fucking dope. Awesome. Do, then you're telling me it's this. Do you... Which, we don't want to spoil. No, we won't. But do you feel the film plays differently? Once, yeah. Once you know what Which happens? Is, this is why it's called Switchblade Romance. I think that's why people say that because of what that reveal is. Right. Because of what happens. Yes. Um, you know, it, I think the, the best example of watching a film a second time and it feels different or almost plays out different is Reservoir Talks. Yeah. Once you know everyone's fucking motivations, that's damn near a different movie. Oh, yeah. On your second. Uh, Tim Roth. We'll don't we'll yeah. don't you know spoil that in case you haven't seen Reservoir Dogs. I'm fucking bleeding out, man. You're <laughs> uh, not gonna fucking Larry, die. The bitch shot me, Larry. So um, it skips a fucking again, and does the same thing where it advances so much, and I'm like, God damn it, I can't take it. Uh, I I take the DVD out of my fucking PlayStation and I throw it in the trash. Uh, I open literally, the, literally, yes, I I yes, I, I literally. Uh, I should take hang a on, picture of it. <laughs> I open Throw up it the, in the trash. Uh, literally, I I, uh, I open up the Amazon app. The, Why didn't you take a picture of it in your trash? <laughs> the, I should have, just for you. And I open up the Amazon app. The high tension blue is readily available for ten bucks. I'm expecting it tomorrow. Awesome. So, anyways, I have to finish it on the IMDb TV app. So it was kind of a bummer going back and forth. But now, after all of that, the reason I chose to watch High Tension is the man who's credited for doing the makeup effects, yeah. all the gore, uh, is an Italian artist by the name of Gennaro De Rossi. Didn't he? Uh, j- he just passed. Yeah, he just passed away. Okay. Uh, I, at least when sites started reporting it, it was Monday the 12th. And if you go to his uh, filmography on IMDb, he did Fulci's Zombie, The Beyond, and House by the Cemetery. I mean, those are fucking... I was going to say, that's a trilogy right there. That, those are like some of his best films. Absolutely. Those are his best movies. Uh, in addition to that, he did Cannibal Apocalypse, Killer Crocodile, and even directed Killer Crocodile uh, Part 2. So Cannibal Apocalypse is great. Yes. John Saxon? John Saxon, yeah. as well as, I can't think of his name, but the blonde from... Uh, Giovanni Derisi? You're on the right track. Or something like that. Radisi. Right, from City of the Living from Fulci City of the Living Dead yeah. is also in Cannibal Apocalypse. Um I haven't seen that in forever, but that just came out on Blu-ray again and I want to buy it. Or it's City coming of the out. Dead? No, uh 
Cannibal, Cannibal Apocalypse. Apocalypse. I feel like that may have just came out. Yeah, and I really want to rewatch it because when I I loved it when I saw it, and I that was at a time when I wasn't really into Italian movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I liked that one, and uh, well, Demons. Sure. Uh, now I love them all because of you and Fulci. But yeah. Uh, so, you know, and we were just saying how like this early 2000 era was formative for us as horror fans. That's how I also feel about Fulci. Like when I was first discovering him probably around this time. So I think Fulci had a hand, not only did Fulci have a hand, you know, in forming my horror interest, but so did De Rossi. Yeah. So I think he's a titan that we just lost in the horror industry. For and sure. I wanted to say, uh, RIP to Gennetto De Rossi. And to that, which, uh, who knew it we... You know, Alex Aja had a played a part in this too, because I mean, right? Like the, at this time, I mean, high, his back to back of High Tension and The Hills Have Eyes remake are two of my favorite movies I've ever seen in my life. You know, one thing I noticed was uh, there's a scene in High Tension. And I'm forgetting the events, but something happens upstairs, and then the camera like frantically runs. Yeah, downstairs. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and and that and there's the exact same, or there's a similar shot in the High Tension, like when the father gets set on fire. Yes. And then the camera like frantically runs back to the RV. So you're, I wonder. You're talking about Hills Have Eyes. Excuse, excuse me. me. Right. In the Hills yeah. Have Eyes, there's a shot where the, uh, the father. Damn, I'm just spoiling everything today, Doc. Uh, father gets set on fire and then the and the camera frantically runs oh back gosh. to uh, the RV. And so that's cool. That I wonder and if that's the, the, kind the, of Oz's thing. The insanity in the RV and the screaming and the baby just fucking. You know what? I feel the like. The Hills Have Eyes remake is one. Of, you guys know. is one of my favorite movies ever made. I feel like that's another film. And then, you know, it's Aja, of course, where I was just kind of like, holy fuck. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was I, just good at producing holy fuck moments. And that's exciting that we have a new film of his to look for. Yeah. Like too? Oxygen. Oh, yeah. It's called Oxygen. Now, uh, yeah. It's, it's going to be a Netflix film. Isn't that like crazy soon? Like May? Yeah, like, May. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Uh, I think it's Melanie Laurent from. Uh, is it sci fi, though? Is I it like think something so. in space? I mean, obviously, I'm there for well, it. I could tell you the synopsis if you want. It's like, okay, so it's like Cube or... or So we don't know what's going on. So that's the point of the movie. Dude, but, it's like Cube. I'm oh, so on board. A woman wakes up in like uh, oxygen chamber, oh. either in space or whatever. I actually don't know because I'm not trying to look into it. And they're running out of oxygen. Oh. And so the idea is like... It's like buried in space. Gotcha. That's what it is. I was just back, baby. And I believe he shot this in, in during quarantine and everything. Oh, cool. So yeah, I was just back. I mean, fucking crawl. I mean, we don't need to we don't need to talk about crawl. Yeah, but, especially because Ben's right there. Yeah, and Ben hates crawl. <laughs> so <laughs> Ben so, just blew a raspberry at crawl. Yeah, I. Uh, so what? That's it. High that, tension. That, I feel like that's enough. <laughs> well, I do too. But but uh, you know, it's funny. You know, I almost feel like we should rank uh, Aja films because we love Alexander Aja. Yeah. And I think that's how to say his name. I hope hopefully that's how you say it. Yeah, his that's name. how we say yeah. it. So I've always wanted to watch that Pyramid movie that his like. Oh, it's horrible. I saw it in theater. Oh, did you? Horrible. Gregory Lasovir. I'm sure I'm nowhere near. Horrible. Near, show, I'm sure I'm nowhere near his last name, but uh, the guy that wrote High Tension with him. Horrible. He It was like uh, his directorial debut. Is that bad, huh? It's terrible. Damn, that's a bummer. I, I remember, um, I remember looking forward to Horns back in the day, and Horns is Horns okay. Is yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's yeah. just okay. But like, I feel like when we finally got Crawl, it's like he's back. Right, one hundred. And he, and that's like the most emotional Aja film I've ever seen. I didn't know he had that in him. Well, and that's not saying a lot because his films have never had like a whole lot of heart, to be honest. Because that's his whole point. Right. And I remember watching Crawl and being like, "Oh, it's a father daughter story." Sure. So I thought that. Anyways, sure. We, I, was, was, I was worried about the dog the entire time. Yeah. I. I. Uh, yeah. So uh, that that's high tension. Since I went so long, why don't you? Yeah. So uh, I I watched Saint Maud last night. Oh, nice. So I watched it with uh, my brother and his wife. Shout out to Just them. Epics. 
Uh, Epics. Yeah. Cool. And uh, what'd you think? I really liked it. Fuck yeah. So, you know, here's the thing. So like saying that when I think about the film, this is not a movie I'm going to buy. I hope it gets a Blu-ray release. That'd be cool. This isn't I'm worried it won't. This isn't a movie I'm probably going to rewatch. Um, but I don't say that like that to me, that's not a bad thing. I, I, uh, when it ended, my first thought last night was, holy shit. No, my, well, no, my first thought was, this is why I go to the movies. Mm. This is that statement doesn't always mean this is the best movie I've ever seen where it did with crawl, Mm. but this is why I watch movies is stuff like St. Maud. This is what gets me excited. I want more stuff like St. Maud. Right. And it reminded me a lot, a lot of, you know, I don't know why I've put these two together, I guess, because they're downtrodden, mean spirited, um, violent films that are art, uh, was the lodge. This Mm. reminds me of that a lot. Just the tone, just the way, you know, I'm not going to watch the lodge four times a year. Like I might evil dead or, or some, you know, a zombie movie or whatever. But, uh, I love this tone. I love, uh, Eric already talked about St. Maude on the last podcast. I don't really want to do this hypnosis of it. Uh, it's about a woman that is religious and is a caretaker to a woman that's dying of cancer. It seems like, and, And uh, she's, she's living her life. Yeah. And the, the religious, uh, caretaker wants to cleanse in some way the, the, uh, woman and, uh, that's, that she's caretaking. And yeah, no, I mean, this is just a, this is a, this is a totally visual audio visual film. The score is just so fucking, um, I mean, we watched it at my brother's house and he has a sound bar with a sub and it was basically like the score was just, every time it came out, I was just like shaking his house. Um, you know, I kept thinking of Taxi Driver. Really? That, okay, yeah. That, that's that's what I, I was thinking. For, you I know, someone of, who's like, they think they're morally correct. Sure. And really, they're part of the problem. And I thought a Joker, too, which is the same thing as sure. Taxi Driver. Yep. And, and I thought it was going to like descend into like her, like, this is a really bad phrase, cleaning up the streets. Sure. It doesn't get to that. May, maybe, certainly not on the level of, of Taxi Driver, but, that, but that's how I kind of related to it. You know, it's someone who's alone, you know, mental health issues. Yeah, um, that's how I read uh, Saint Maud, and is like self righteously religious, right. and that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I just appreciate, you know, this is this is like why I go to the fucking movies is to watch like a vision from an artist. I don't know this director at all, but I'm certainly going to be watching Rose Glass because this. I mean, this is what I love about movies. You know, when I talk about my favorite movies, like even over the last few years, like some of the final scenes of Annihilation, mm-hmm. like I love cinema that's almost, that where there's no dialogue and it's like a big, you know, quiet, but also loud set piece where, you know, shit's popping, you know? And I just, I love stuff like this. I love tension. I love quiet movies. I don't know. I love this. I love it. I, it and this, this has sort of a mean-spirited attitude in some ways, um, but not in the same way of like this. That's why I was talking to you about the lodge earlier. Um, and I will say, I like that movie more than this. Uh, do you, what, what do you, you like the lodge? More yeah. Than oh, yeah. Oh, I really God, like the lodge. No. I loved it. I would pick St. Maude easily over the lodge. Uh, I know, don't, I don't want to say too much cause I don't want to spoil the lodge. I will say St. Maude definitely has like bigger aspirations. I feel like St. Maude's lighter in tone. Than the lodge. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like the lodge. Cause I, mean, I did at times want St. Maude to like explode into 
right. a darker tone. Sure, sure. And I feel like it's just dark the whole time, but it's consistently dark. It's light dark, you right. know? Gotcha. Like, where gotcha. I think, like, I wanted the Lodge uh, uh, tone, which is just basically, like, every... That is one of the darkest movies I've ever seen. The Lodge. Yeah. And I and I, I would have liked St. Maud to be darker, but saying that now, even thinking about it, it is pretty fucking dark. I'll say this, Dot. That's a film that I wish I could, that we could have all just gone to the theater and watched. Oh, I would have loved to see that in a the theater. Right. Especially with that score in a theater, it would have just like enveloped you. Like, and that the whole point of the film is like sort of almost her like awakening with, with sure. Christ in a way. Mm-hmm. I'm not spoiling it by saying, you know, she's trying to get closer to God. Right. And the film sort of achieves this in, incredible high with this character of, of trying to achieve that and whether that's good or not for her. Um, anyways, I really, really liked it. Um, again, is it a film would be like, Hey, like on a Friday night, let's watch St. Maude. Like probably not, but I really liked it. And then just because of what an awful experience I did have watching it, I told you the fucking, Oh yeah. So if I, I don't, I'm not holding out hope for a Blu-ray, but that'd be like a whole nother reason for me to like, I'd, I'd, it'd be like experiencing it for the first time, you know, being able to watch it correctly. Yeah. And I, and I, and if you want to tie into another movie, let's hear so yeah, I really like St. Maude. Uh, I watched on the Epic app. The Epic app is a fucking atrocious piece of shit on the Xbox because like the blacks, uh, the color black on their stream doesn't work. Mm. Like it's like their bit rate is really low. I don't want to get nerdy. Ready? Uh, their bit rate is really low. That was actually just Colby. And so like, uh, like the top black and bottom bars, right? Because this was a, a two, three, five aspect ratio movie. Um, they were just like crushed and like going crazy because it was such a shitty stream. Mm. I wish I could explain it better. Watch St. Maud on Epics and you'll be like, what the hell's going on with it? Yeah, it's a shitty stream is what it is. Um, but it looked good enough. And yeah, I really liked the ending of St. Maud. Like, I had a fucking blast with the ending. I was like, this is, this Fuck is yeah. like, this is when St. Maud was ending. I, I had a smile on. And I was like, this is why I go to the movies. Oh yeah. Like, this no, is why I, I watch I, I rewound it. I don't, I rewind it. Rewound it. Like when the first time I saw it, just so I could like relive that that moment again. Yeah, right before Good. the trailer. I mean, the credits hit. Oh, awesome! Yep, awesome. Good stuff. And that glad you. I'm very happy you liked it. Well, it's funny to say like if you know what the final moment of Saint Maud is, it's funny that I'm saying that is why I go to the movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not exactly a healthy scene. No, no um, not at all. That's for sure. So, anyway, Saint Maud. Uh, really liked it. So to play into what you just said, which you had a bad experience watching a movie, um, this isn't horror, but it's sci-fi, so we kind of do this a lot. Okay. I just wanted to quickly mention I did watch Chaos Walking. Okay. Chaos Walking is the just new- rented it on VOD? Right. Okay. And Chaos Walking is the new Daisy Ridley, Tom Holland movie. Um, Correct. I only watched it because Daisy, Daisy Ridley's in it. It's the only reason I watched it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I liked it. Did you? It's not very good. It's a it's based off a YA novel, correct? Right, and it and it has all the YA issues, which is like it's it's a it's a bullshit movie. It's not very good. I liked it. Hmm. I enjoyed it. So like, if you're if you want to see Chaos Walking at all, if you're interested in it, or you like Tom Holland or Daisy Ridley, uh, fucking watch Chaos Walking. I I really like Doug Liman. Doug Liman's a director I follow. He did like Jumper, Live Die Repeat, uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Or tomato, tomato. The original title, "All You Need Is Kill," which it never had. Um, yeah, so he, I like all of his movies pretty much, but they're not all really good. Like I like Jumper, Born Identity, Live Die Did Repeat. He do go? I maybe. 
But okay. I've, I've always liked Doug Liman okay. films. And this is not a very good one. But uh, I liked it. But the point of bringing it up with what you said is uh, <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going. So TDS is our internet. So like if your internet <laughs> is Comcast in your area, ours is called TDS Telecom. Uh, and I think TDS Telecom is is the worst company in America. I pay way too much money for it. I do too. And I think it's the worst company in America. Uh-huh. Like there's companies that make people piss in bottles in their truck. Right. And I think TDS is the worst company. You probably have to shit in a bottle if you work for TDS. Right. <laughs> they might shove shit down your throat if you work for fucking TDS. They're the yeah. worst company in America and I have no problem saying it. Anyways, they had like some issue in Carlsbad where they had a line down or whatever their lie was that week. Sure. Because all they, that's just they're a bunch of lying bastards. But the point of the story is when we watched Chaos Walking, it was during this like outage. Okay. And uh, so I was like, I, I got this idea. I was like, oh, well, We'll I'll rent it from iTunes and I'll download it on my phone and I'll cast it. Uh, I'll airplay it to my brother's TV that has airplay. Well, that just went miserably because it didn't work the way I was expecting. So it still needed to stream it, even though I had oh, downloaded it. Wow. And so pretty much every 10, like literally 10 to 15 to 20 minutes, it would just stop. Ugh. And I'd have to click, like go through it and click it and start it. And then we'd watch it. It was me and my brother and his wife. That sounds terrible. And so just a quick note that this is why you own physical media. Hell yeah. Because shit like this, unless your DVD scratched and you throw it in the trash. Right. Doesn't fucking happen. Chaos walking. Watch it. If you like those actors, it's not very good, but I enjoyed it. I, okay. it ended and I was thought it sweet. It is. It has sweetness in it, you know, and I could explain what it's about, but again, who gives a shit? You know, I finally watched uh, Love and Monsters. Oh, I really like Love and Monsters. I just thought it was all right. Did Maybe. you like Love and Monsters more than Chaos Walking? Yes. Okay. I wish Daisy Ridley was in Love and Monsters, okay. and then I would love that movie. But no, Love and Monsters is like a good movie, I think. I just, you, I, I just thought it was okay. I'm wondering if you had it hyped too much to you, because when we watched it, no one had seen it. Okay. And I watched it the first week it was out, because that was a, home, a theater at home movie. Sure, right. Um, and we watched it and I was like, Whoa, what a delight. That was what I thought about it. Mm. And so I'm wondering, did you hear that it was good prior? You, you definitely told me about it. Uh, first there's definitely stuff I liked about it, you know, but ultimately I was like, eh, there wasn't enough. I think I went, I think I went two and a half on letterbox. There wasn't giant robots in it. So you didn't like it. There was that, uh, there's something very specific I want to say about that film, but it'd be only for like people who have seen it. So I'm not going to say it. Okay. But yeah. With that so, being said, that was chaos walking. Let me uh, about fucking thank you. What uh, what is that movie called that you just talked about? Oh, Love and Monsters. Love and Monsters. I was so blown away that they like took this whole minute to like have this robot. Do you remember that in that movie? Keep like, talking. Maybe he like refresh sits my memory. next to this robot and he uses he needs the oh, robot's yeah, 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 battery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do. I was really. I was almost like that's a movie in itself. Like gotcha. hey. I w- I was surprised. Like that's world building where. There's so much going on in that scene that's bigger than Love and Monsters. Like, it's not about that, what right. the topic of the film is, which is the Love and Monsters. Right. And I was like, wow. This like, was, and that was just kind of like a 10, 15 minute scene. That's what I'm saying. And I was right. like, that was, like, I do remember that's that. sort of what elevates films for me is when they're like, not just, like, Chaos Walking is is just what it is. Mm-hmm. And for for that movie to have that whole robot sequence where basically it's powering down because it's offering to use its battery to help him get across his journey. Um, I was blown away by that. And it's not that big of a deal. I was just like, wow, this is like good. Mm. Um, I'm not going to buy that movie. Don't want to own that movie, but I like sure, that movie. Right. 
I mean, all the stuff with the dog was where was that for me? I wish the dog would have died, but yeah. Oh, fuck you, asshole. You got another one? <laughs> I do, but I okay. talked for way too okay. long, so well, give me one, Eric. Okay. Uh, I'll try not to interrupt you over and over and over again. Uh, well, you probably don't even want to hear about this one. Uh, I watched uh, Pacific Rim The Black. This is the animated... Oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. Uh, this is the animated... Are you uh, sure this wasn't titled Godzilla versus Kong? Uh, I'm so glad you saw those similarities because I was texting Dana, and he was like, well, you got to bring that up on the pod. It's going to piss off Keegan, but... You saw the same thing. Of course. Um, so anyways, Pacific- I, I watched those movies. Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so Pacific Rim the Black is a Netflix anime. Uh, it's set in the universe, obviously, of um, both Pacific Rim films. Uh, both uh, They reference both the original Pacific Rim and Uprising, uh, the events and characters. Do they talk about the Jaegers invi- invading Cabo? God damn, that was an excellent Charlie- uh, Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam. That uh, impression you just had. Shout out. You you were just saying a second ago how much you love that movie, The Gentleman. So anyways. Pac- I was not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So back to Pacific Rim, the black. Um, it follows these two kids. They are brother and sister. Their parents are pilots. And at the very start of the series, uh, they have to leave the kids as well as another group of survivors. And this is supposed to be Australia. Um, it's like a little, I don't, I'm not too sure how to describe it. It's like a little survivor's camp. What, what, what's, where is it in the timeline? Is it, it, this is after, um, this must be in between. Oh, okay. Uh, because you know, they've already cut off. They already hit Cabo. They've right. Cause you know, they've, they've managed to close the breaches. So, you know, it's funny. I didn't even think of that. Uh, so this must be in between. Okay. Um, so the parents, they're pilots. They leave the kids at this survivor's camp. They promise to return. They don't. Okay. Uh, five years Five years uh, have advanced, and the parents still haven't uh, shown up. Uh, and like any good zombie movie, uh, Pacific Rim the Black, the monsters are not uh, the villain, but uh, this human character by the name of Shane that these kids later uh, encounter. Um, they find a non- fighting Jaeger that they're able to pilot and they use that to go searching for uh, their parents. Okay. So what's interesting about it, it's not about like Jaegers versus monsters. Please, please do your, they haven't hit Cabo it, yet it's, again. It's not about the, the, the Gaiju hitting Cabo. Right. Exactly. They're, they're not trying to close the breach. The Gaiju. Right. They're, they're not trying to, you know, save humanity. It's just two kids looking for, which by the way, would their parents. be if I were making, like that's the Spielberg idea, right? And that's sure. why, like, I feel like people have a hard time. People think like Steven Spielberg is just like he, they think he's like Michael Bay, and I'm like, well, n- which we'll also talk about. But I, you know, I'm always like, no, Spielberg is like him creating, you know, a normal people, normal situation that have to deal with the big situation, right? And that's what this sounds like. So that sounds cool. Um, so of course, you know, they encounter other kaiju's. Of course, there is. You know they do hit Cabo. Of course they do fight. You know right. giant monsters inside their giant. Uh, you know Jaeger. Um, there's stuff in it that I feel like is breaking the Pacific Rim rules. Okay, it's like stuff the show's introducing itself. Like for example, there are dogs that are kaiju's. No, stop. Which that. make no sense because are you they like the predator dogs? Right, exactly. But they're kaiju. You know, like they look the same. They're colored the same. So that I didn't. Can I tell you why they for? did that? 
Got they're it. smaller, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, they're like the size of a dock. So they have like a smaller threat to have to deal with. Sure. Yeah. That make, it makes sense because they don't want to have to fight building size monsters. Sure. Yeah. Okay. And then eventually uh, they find a mute child and they, you know, they want to care for the child. Um, but there's like no background to the child, you know, initially, but then it turns out the child is a big thing. Um so I was turned off by the Pacific Rim rule breaking, but I feel like at least in every episode I was whispering holy shit to myself. Okay. Because there was these big, you know, monster fights or something crazy happened with a monster or something like that. And this like is that. like anime style? This is anime style, okay. right, exactly. And E-Dog's not a an animation guy. Me either. I feel bad saying that. I respect animation as a film form, mm-hmm. but that's not something that I'm attracted to. Me you know, I'd rather have Pacific Rim the black the live action version. Yep. Um, so like I, I, like you said, I respect like people that like animated stuff. It's just not my thing. I don't like anime. I don't like like adult cartoons, which is like what a lot of people like now. I just, I don't know. Right. I don't like any of it. Uh, so ultimately I loved it really be- because I love uh, Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. Right. Exactly. And uh, I was happy to hear that Netflix has already greenlit uh, season two. And, uh, I was looking at Pacific Rim toys just recently on, uh, Amazon and some toy company is doing the main Jaeger from, uh, this anime from the black. And so, you know, so I pre-ordered. So yeah, me, I'm definitely ask, on board with Pacific Rim, the black. Let me ask you this. Remember sure. on our last episode, we did the, uh, uh, we ranked the predator films. We did. And you had sort of this epiphany that maybe you only liked them because of the toys. toys. Sure. How does that play into Pacific Rim for you? Uh, that's that's interesting you say that because I feel like I do like Pacific Rim yeah. the film and I, the, and the toys I, yeah. were just like an awesome addition addition yeah. right exactly uh, but I mean they it, it's kind of like hand in hand like I'm so excited that I'm gonna get the main Jaeger from <laughs> this animated right. series you know what I mean in in toy form um, and, I, and I and I should say I like that first Pacific Rim movie and I. I get the second movie. I just don't like it. I rewatched Uprising. I thought if we're going to talk giant monsters, I should rewatch Uprising. And you know what? I used to I still like it, but yeah. I I it, it's gone down a few notches on on my like. Yeah. I only saw it the one time, so I almost shouldn't even really talk about it anymore, but I just it sort of all of a sudden was so clear to me. I was like, you know, maybe I don't like Pacific Rim Uprising. Sure. Like even, I don't know. There's, I guess, how about this? I get the hate. There's something about, and I guess we're going to talk it. We will talk it. There's something about when it becomes too madcap and too, um, where the realism is no longer involved in storytelling where I just check out. Sure. And that happens with, especially Pacific Rim Uprising, but we'll talk Godzilla versus Kong. I like, Godzilla vs. Kong, but right. um, I feel like it has elements of that where I'm just like, I don't know. It's too, it, it becomes too much for me. Sure. Um, but we'll, we'll talk it. Uh, that happens to me in films when a film is like, this is happening. No, this is happening. No, this is happening. And I just want to be like, you get your story straight. Yeah. That, or, ca- or, that causes me to check out or in films. focus. Right. When it's kind of just it kind of shooting their shot in different directions. We're kind of having the conversation, but part of my issue like that, it it reminds me of Michael Bay filmmaking where he's got so much going on and he's got people saying so much shit that it's pointless. 
that none of it matters. Like it reminds me of his Transformers movies where it's just people running around spouting conspiracy theories and shit dialogue. And then like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I don't think the, now nah, we'll get to it. Okay. We'll get, we'll get to, to it. it. Uh, so, so that was Pacific Rim, the black. And you loved it. I liked it a bunch. Nice. Awesome. What you got, Doc? So I watched uh, The Vigil. Oh, I'm, I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Uh, I didn't love it to the extent that you did. Okay. Uh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, I just didn't fall in love with The Vigil. Okay. Uh, I also, I, you know, you had, you, on our last episode of the podcast, you had, or maybe it was two, I don't remember. You had kind of said, well, maybe I'm just a baby and it's not that scary. I'm and, a baby. I'm a huge baby. Well, but I, and I said, so am I. Mm-hmm. But I guess I'm not as big of a baby as you are. Okay. Because I didn't. This is how big of a baby I am. There's two new Shutter movies I want to watch. I'm not gonna. I, I'm afraid to watch them. Like, when am I gonna watch them? You've seen Hell House Hell LLC, right? The yes. first one. Yeah. That's scary as fuck. That right? shit is real scary. Really scary. Yes. I'll never forget that scene where that where he wakes up and he like looks over and that. Oh my. Oh god. my god. That's some creepy. Ass I shit. still think about that. Like when I wake up in the middle of the night, I know uh, nothing's there. So like I'm not. I don't give a shit. But I'll I'll think about that scene. Uh, I'm gonna go completely off the rails here. It's a movie I want to show my brother. But I, I literally won't, don't want to want to no, see that scene. No, no, no. I won't put him through that. Oh, because gotcha. Ben, Ben, he's sitting right here. He doesn't like scary movies like that as much as I do. And I like, you know how people will lie and tell him, oh, it's not that scary. Uh-huh. Like I can't do that. That movie's fucking scary as fuck. So I'm not gonna put him through that. I agree. Uh, my best friend, uh, Andrew Castaneda, he had a little barbecue uh, this past Sunday. Were there jalapeno poppers involved? Uh, unfortunately, there wasn't. Damn it, Doc. <laughs> so uh, you weren't tearing up the toilet. No, I was not tearing up the toilet. Uh, when I left, I sure did. Ooh, uh, so, tell us about that. <laughs> so uh, when I get there, he's like just barely starting to like prep the food. And he's got to go out and he's got to like turn on the grill or whatever, you know. So his girlfriend, Christina, comes into the kitchen and now she's helping preparing the food. And she is like a paranormal fanatic. Mm. If there's something scary, if you have a scary story to tell, if you have an alleged ghost encounter, if you have an alleged UFO story, she wants to hear it. She is all about scary stuff. Like she's got a thousand, you know, she's got her own personal encounters, you know. E-Dog is the biggest skeptic. Like, everything she's saying right. is scary, but I'm like, you know I don't believe this, right? Well, and that – so if we want to parlay into that, not that this is our – we're not this type of podcast, but, I mean, oh, Eric. Yes. You know, do you have any experience or anything? I haven't had a single paranormal experience in my life. I'm not asking for one. Me either. I've never experienced anything so, that couldn't be explained. It's a good it, – this is a good just time because you brought this up. Me neither. Not a second in my right. life. I'm almost 30. I'll be 30 in June. Uh, not a second in my life have I had any sort of paranormal or something I ne- didn't understand um, ever. But listen, and I've and, and I and I worked at the movie theater in in town, and I remember. So I used to have to be there in the middle of the night. And and when you worked at that hotel, you worked in the middle yeah. of the night. And I, but even that, that's a brand new building. And I never understood that. People are like, oh, it's haunted. I was like, it was built three months ago. Scariest things you got to deal with fucking oil filled assholes, right? Yeah. That's scarier than ghosts (laughs) to me. But more importantly, like, you know, if it was going to, the only way I think it could be haunted being built two months ago (laughs) is if it was built on a, I don't want to say Indian because now it's a Native American burial ground. Sure. Um, But the point of the story is like, yeah, I just, 
I used to work at the, the theater and I used to have to build and break movies and I would be there till like four in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that building's old as fuck. And it was scary just because it's, it was dark as you're fuck by yourself and you're by yourself four in the sure. morning. That building is old as fuck. Never had a fucking second of an experience and Everyone else I worked with, okay, when I say that, I have buddies that work there. They're going to say not them. But all the They peop- have a story. No, not oh, everyone. Oh. But a lot of them are like, oh, well, when I were three nights ago, I was here sure. and I heard this sure. fucking sound and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, I build and break movies here every week right. till four in the morning. Right. I don't hear a fucking thing. And it's like, dude, buildings settle. I'm not saying every, by the way, so let's get this out of the way. We're not saying that this isn't real. Or, or that you didn't have that experience. Not you, right. but like you out there. Sure. If you did, great. But not us. Not us. Thank you. Yeah, not us. Uh, so uh, Christina, Andrew's girlfriend, she, I feel like the, uh, the amount of stories that she has, uh, she, she, she works by herself at the hospital. And I guess if there was going to be a place that's haunted, it's the fucking hospital, 100%. right? 100%. Uh, and you know, she, I she, picture like the hospital at Chernobyl, like in the middle <laughs> of fucking night, like, right? Like, couldn't be scarier, yeah, for sure. You know, so she, you know, she, she, if, goes, if she thought she place, saw something, you know, flash by her eyes, so she had to call a coworker and ask, you know, was that you that just walked by the high, uh, the hallway? And of course, it wasn't her. So, if anyways, there's one place that people do die. It's in that fucking hospital. It's in that fucking. Oh, hospital. not that one. I'm not saying that, but in no, a hospital. No, yeah, no, yeah. Carl's bad. Fucking hospital is probably not the best at all. Uh, Shout out to uh, what is it? CMC? Yeah, I don't fucking know. Carlsbad Medical Center. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Go so, ahead. so you know, she's telling me all these stories, and you know, I'm engaging with her. You know, I'm listening to them. Uh, you know, I'm telling her stories. Uh, uh, ghost. You're stories. riding along. Uh, you know that other people have told me. You yeah. know. So, anyways, you know, have a good time. Food is good. Whatever. You know, go home. Fall asleep. I wake up at some point in the middle of the night to have to use the bathroom. I'm and a, the jalapeno poppers <laughs> are standing in, the, in the, your doorway. Eric, I, come Eric. take a shit. So I'm diarrhea is here. <laughs> so I'm alone. It's dark, and every goddamn scary thing she said just comes oh, sure. flooding back sure. to me. And I'm just like, God damn it! I gotta pee, and now I'm scared too. You know, so it like takes me like the thirty seconds to, to like muster up the courage, up the courage yeah. to throw off my fucking blanket to walk to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's important to say, and I always hate, you know, my friends have heard this conversation, so I'll just make it quick, but I think it's important to say, like, it's not, I am not saying I don't get scared. Sure. I mean, like, you'll, you know, sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and you'll see something because you're, you know, you're waking up out of a dream, you know, and you're like, oh, fuck. And then, you know, for me, it's always like, if you give me a minute or two to collect, like, oh, yeah, like shit's not real. Like, cause sure. I don't believe in any magic in any way. So especially like spirits and ghosts. Um, so for me, it just takes me to adjust back. Like, oh yeah, that's not real. Right. And then, and I'll be like, fuck it. I'll go back to sleep. But I say this to say, it's not that I don't get scared Right. for sure. I do. But, um, I'll be like, oh yeah. Like, like that girl in the corner of the room when that guy wakes up in fucking hell house LLC. I thought about that, but then it's like, oh yeah, that's a movie. Sure. And then I go back to sleep. Exactly. So, anyways, how did this? Well, where the fuck are uh, we? How did I, we get to I this? Don't, oh, I said I was going to go off the rails. Oh, because of something right. you were talking about. Uh, I guess do you. I, I just did the black. What okay, do you got. So, oh, the vigil. Oh, that's holy shit. Go. Okay, there you go. You, and you were saying it wasn't as scary as it I was found not it. as scary. There we but, go. Um, there we go. Uh, I watched this with uh, Jameson Lucas. What's up, Jamie? How's it going? Uh, we watched it together. He liked it too. Um, I really, really liked it. 
But I, I just didn't find it scary. You were talking about a certain image that scared the fuck out of you. Is it someone standing in the corner in a dark room? What was it that scared you so bad? There was a specific scene in the mm-hmm. vigil that you were bringing up. I'm trying to think. It's not coming to me. Um, I think it was scary. I think it's like this filmmaker should be watched. Like I re- like watching this gave me sort of James Wan, um, like set piece, vibes. set piece, uh, horror type vibes. Um, and so I, I really liked it for that. Didn't scare the shit out of me. So I just kind of came out of it like, Oh, that was good. I'm thinking of like multiple things that I found scary, but I don't know what was the one, but there's like the part where he's like, he tries to get away, but you learn that the spirit, whatever it's called, I forget. Won't let him leave yeah. the house. And he like collapses and like has to get back to the house. And when he's like walking back up the stairs to the house, the like spirit is like outside. Yeah. Uh, that was scary. I thought um, there's a flashback of the man who's died. And like whenever like the spirit is like wrapping uh, itself around yeah. that man. I thought that was scary. Um, just like a lot of the stuff when he's like having to like call out into the dark when he doesn't know if it's the wife or not. For sure. I thought that stuff was scary. I really liked it, but it felt it felt like this felt like an insidious light uh, for me, and I liked it. I think the what I liked the most about it, it sort of reminded me of his house in a certain way, where I felt Definitely. like it was a look into a culture that I don't normally see every day, or I'm not exactly familiar with. And in this case, uh, it's it's Jewish culture, correct? Uh, like Hasidic Jews, basically, right? Correct. And um, that was like the best part of the movie for me was sort of basically this is like, I guess could be classified as like a Jewish horror movie. Sure. And I don't think I've ever seen that before. So I feel the same. I think that that was the best part of the vigil. Um, it was learning about like those religious aspects, like the Shomer type, sure. you know, thing where you, someone has to watch over a body before the funeral or something. Right. Or right. The, like the body's supposed to be like prayed over. So no evil right. spirits can come to it before it's buried. Right. And I had never heard of that or seen that until you had told me about this film. And so I liked those aspects of it a lot, mm. but for me, it didn't like rise to anything great, but I, I thought it was good. How did you feel about that main character? I thought he was easy really good to sympathize with. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I liked him. I liked his struggle. It thought it was funny that it, like, this had really good use of um, like text messaging. Yeah, no, no. There's a there's a there's a technological aspect to the film. Yeah. Like there's a part where like something's like filming him on his yeah. own phone. Yeah, it, it it did give me Slender Man making a FaceTime call vibes though. I will say that. <laughs> okay. Like in that Slender Man movie, he makes a FaceTime call. Slender okay. the Slender Man. Right. I don't remember um, that. I had the worst experience with that film. This is not near that bad but i did think like the text messaging and like the technical aspect was really well done or isn't there a part where he's like he thinks he's like talking to a girl he's interested in yeah but it's really the the ghost that's and, like scaring him and that reminded me of slender man okay yeah. okay but this was done better sure than that that's a that movie's a fucking joke slender man sure anyways the vigil um if you like scary movies i totally agree with you it was really good would you call it a haunted house movie not eh. I guess haunted person movie is okay. kind of what it was, which is also what insidious is. Right. It's like you, the house isn't haunted. It's the your son. Right. Yeah. Um, and that kind of felt like this, uh, but anyways, really liked it. I'm glad you liked it. I, I also, of course, we always love horror movies that aren't just like one layer. The other layer is that like, this is part of like a guilt for him that something like something that he regretted not doing. And that's kind of what the horror is for him is something that happened in his life that he regrets. Uh, it's like a story for him to understand that regret and guilt. Um, and so I love shit like this. Uh, ultimately, again, didn't love, love this movie, 
but it's scary and it's artful and it was about something and it was about a culture I've never seen. So actually in very similar to his house, I really liked that movie. I just didn't think it was the best movie ever. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I like the visual. That's cool. it. Eric, Glad you liked it. What's your next movie? Uh, Elvira's haunted Hills. Who? Elvira's haunted Hills. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so this is, uh, I guess, the follow-up to Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Is this the Arrow one that was just put out? No, they put out Mistress of the Dark. Okay. and uh, But this takes place in the 19th century, and I can't explain that because Mistress of the Dark is at, you know, at then-present times. Um, in my opinion, Mistress of the Dark is so good that I couldn't see Elvira's Haunted Hills uh, living up uh, to Mistress of the Dark. It's certainly not as good, but I was definitely wrong. This is a fun romp, just how Mistress of the Dark is, where it's just a bunch of sexual... Uh, I, I've never seen an Elvira movie, movie? ever. Okay. You know, so it's just like a bunch of fun, like... It, how about this? Elvira's Haunted Hills is just as horny as Elvira, Mistress of the Dark nice. is. Uh, Which is why you watch it. 100%. You know what? And the, the entire film takes place in this like old, like decaying castle. So I'd like to think that the title Elvira's Haunted Hills is just another reference to her chest because right. that's, that's yeah, what yeah, the yeah. film is. Yep. Yep. There's a silly part where she like, of course, doesn't know that she's standing in front of a magnifying glass that's perfectly aligned with her chest to make nice. you know, her chest look even bigger. So it's safe to say Eric liked it. I mean, I... It's not as good as Mistress of the Dark, but yes, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, then, I, you know, I want to, uh, I think Arrow did like a steelbook of Mistress of the Dark. Uh-huh. I really want it that because I feel like I have a blind spot with Elvira and I want to see uh, Elvira. In my opinion, the perfect double feature would be Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. I where, love Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. Where it's like that horror light, like... yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Right, this, this, yep. is, this is great, like intro horror yeah. like if you're like trying to show a kid something scary but you know make gateway, sure they can still sleep at night right gateway horror it'd be the elvira movies it'd be peewee herman's big adventure Lar- um, large marge exactly peewee yeah uh in elvira's haunted hills she has a uh like a servant and they're traveling uh in the hillside and uh this man offers to give them a ride but they're going to stay overnight uh in this castle uh, when they get to the castle, the man who lives there, you learn that all of his senses are like hypersensitive, like his sight, his hearing, like he's his not, fucking, he he's constantly has to be like shrouded in darkness. You know, he can't hear anything. Okay. Uh, his wife who's recently passed looks just like Elvira. So there's this kind of big deal that Elvira has just shown up because why does she look just like uh, his recently deceased wife, mm-hmm. uh, hilarity and insanity uh, ensues, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Nice. E Dog strongly recommends you check out Haunted Hills if you like or haven't seen uh, Mistress of the Dark. Where'd you watch it? I got a DVD copy copy <laughs> from Netflix. I forgot that earlier I was going to mention what you just talked about with that high tension DVD, throwing it in the trash. Correct. That was why I canceled my Netflix DVD subscription. Because it was because you'd always get a scratch I, disc. I got a scratch disc of A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. Nice. And this is a million years ago. And it, it kept skipping, didn't work. And I literally put it back in the mailer, 
was and I and went on my phone and canceled it. I was like, I'm done. I'm fucking done. I hate this shit. You know what's happened to me more than once? I'll get a movie from Netflix and I'll wait like a week to get to it, and, and then, then it won't work. And then when I finally go to put it in, it's cracked. And I'm holy like, shit. Yeah, I had damn it, bro. I had like four or five in a row one time that were fucked up, and I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Like this is ridiculous. I'll say this: I haven't had near an experience like that though. Also, I don't pay for it. My mom does, so that's probably oh. another reason why I'm lenient with uh, yeah. <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> why you don't mind? Uh, sure, sure. But you know, it's, so it's, like it's a two way street. She has access to my Hulu and Prime. Yep. You know, so I got nothing, Eric. So okay. uh, you want me to keep going? No, or? no. I got, I got, you got I got else. more shit. Okay. So okay, so that was Elvira. that was Elvira's Haunted Hills, and you watched the fucking DVD of it gladly. Cause I don't, I, I don't think there's a Blu-ray of okay. *Virus Haunted Hills*, but there is of *Mistress of the Dark* from Arrow Video. I recently talked about that I had started M Night Shyamalan's Apple TV Plus show *Servant*. *Servant*, yes, and I finished it. Okay, so there's I finished season one and I watched all of season two. Um, I don't watch a lot of TV. I've talked a lot about this where I don't, and I try. I'm very selective. Some would say too selective and anal retentive about my TV watching. Okay. And so I just got on to Servant and I thought I need to watch this because I feel like M. Night is somebody that we, while has made some stuff that we didn't like, is sort of back. Mm-hmm. And I kind of was like, I really want to watch this show, but it, it to me gave me, I remember when I was describing to you, Servant, you said the boy. And that was the first thing I thought of was like this doll that replaces this kid that was dead and it must be like the boy. And what I found out is, is it's not really about that. Like it's not about, I thought this was going to be like a haunted doll, haunted boy thing, because that's what it looks like in the promotional material. And it's not, it's not, it's about grief. It's about loss. Mm. And, uh, the doll is not really like, it's not about the doll or what the doll is or any of that. Um, it's a film about, or I'm sorry, it's a show about a family that lost their baby, which they will later explain how they lost the baby. And it's about like, you know, neglect and a ton of shit. And, uh, it, it stars, uh, Toby Kevill is one of the main characters. I can't remember the woman's name. She's amazing in it. She's fucking insane. They're married. They're the ones that lost the kid, but the woman's brother is Rupert Grint. I think is his name. Uh, Ron Weasley from the Harry Potter movies. And he's one of my favorite parts about the show. Cause he's like the drunk brother that comes over and drinks wine. And, um, I, I I'm trying to think of, I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say this show takes place all in their house. Like they never leave the fucking house, single location, single location. And they have creative ways that it does leave the house but you never leave the house in two seasons of the show. And uh, I just think it's fucking real. It's really good. I don't think this is like the most brilliant TV of all time, but if you like horror, you have a dark sense of humor and you don't mind sort of mean spirited downtroddenness, but it also is darkly funny. Um, It's really fucking good. Like I feel like I feel I'm trying to get my brother to watch it with his wife. And I think he's going to, um, it's really good. It's not in an anthology. No. Right. Season one and season two so, play into each other. And that's the biggest part about the first season is when I was watching it, I wasn't sure what it was. And so I kept thinking, okay, well, how is this going to have more? Like the whole show is sort of based around one mystery in the first season. Mm-hmm. And I thought like, there's more of this. Cause I had heard there was a second season airing at the time that I was watching the first season. 
And having seen both, you know, some is resolved by the end of the first season, but then it's, that's also part of it too. Like it's a mystery show. Like, you know, this is sort of a mystery box show and I love stuff like this. And I love, I'd rather ask questions and wonder than have something fucking told to me like word for word, plainly, this is what's going on. Here's all your fucking answers. Like that's the type of TV that I don't like. And servant is like more just visual storytelling. And you saying, what the fuck? And then the episode ends and you're just like, what is that? And then you have to watch the next one. And then it's like, well, here's kind of what that was. But also here's this. Mm. And you're like, what is that? Um, I love TV like this. So I don't think Servant is, again, like, I don't think this is the greatest, you know, like if we want to talk about a good horror show recently, like Haunting of Hill House, mm. that's like incredible. This is not like that. But Servant's good. Like, And, and here's the best part. Okay. Here's why I started it. It's 20 minutes an episode. Yes. Every episode is like 30 minutes. Nice. And so you can crank a bunch of it out and it's kind of that new age TV where it's like leading into the next episode where you want to click next because you got, you know. You want to binge it. Yeah. It's a very bingeable fun, but I don't think it's just, I don't think that's the only merit it has because there's a lot of TV like that now. It's also like darkly funny and, you know, it's, it's, when I say mean spirited, like I just mean like. You know, there's stuff in it where it's like normal TV would not show images of some of these things in the way that this does. And it's also about, you know, of course, it's about loss. It's about trauma, guilt, and and religion. Ultimately, this is a very religious show because the figure, the nanny that comes in to watch the doll in the first season is a is extremely religious in some way. And we don't know why or how. And so, of course, I like a thing that's about religion and belief and loss and trauma. So, anyways, Servant is fucking awesome. Hmm. Uh, but, again, I don't want to imply, like, this is the greatest thing ever. This isn't fucking True Detective, but it's really good. Hmm. So, Servant cool. on Apple TV Plus. It's awesome. Can I ask what an Apple TV uh, subscription runs you? $5 a month. Okay. But if you bought an iPhone in the last two years, you got a year free. And then when COVID hit, they had like a content lull and they gave you, they gave an extension. So I think my Apple TV has been free until June, I think. Hmm. So How I have you redeem that. I've never paid for it. I don't know. It came with my phone and gotcha. I just opened the Apple TV app and it was available and it was like, you have a year trial. And so I've been on that year trial, but oh, it was ex- do the same. It was extended because of COVID, so I think it ends in June. Uh, and then you're able to watch it like on your Xbox. Xbox is how I watch it. Yeah, Xbox has an Apple TV Plus app, which is great. They never used to. Apple never used to do anything with Microsoft, right? And they have a fucking Apple TV Plus app. It streams in 4K on my Xbox, and yeah, it's just really good. It's the first uh, Apple TV thing I've really watched. Mm. And uh, it's very M. Night. It's very, oh, oh, season two has episodes directed by Julia DeCoru, DeCarcaru. I don't know how to say her last name. The woman that directed Raw. Oh, wow. And, you know, the only thing I've seen directed by her was Raw. Right. And she she did at least two episodes of the second season. And then some of it, you're going to, you're going to laugh, of the second season is directed by Nimrod Antal. Wow. And I was like, wow. And then a lot of it is directed by M. Night. Uh, and those are the best episodes. Oh, it's gorgeous because it's like some of it's M night. And, um, uh, I want, I think it's M night's daughter 
hmm. directs some of the episodes too. I think it's his daughter. If it's not, it's somebody. It's it's like Isabella or something. Night Shyamalan. So I'm like, okay, well, it's his daughter. I think. Um, so, anyways, really good. Like visually stimulating. It's very Damn. visual storytelling show, which is this is this checks all my boxes. Sure. And but again, it's just if you like stuff like this, this is such a fun 30 minute thing to watch where you know, oh, let's watch Servant. Boom, it's fucking over. And you're like, oh, that was fucking cool. Shyamalan's back, baby. Yeah, Shyamalan's back. Nice. Oh, his movie's soon old. Yeah, July, right? Yeah. I can't wait. You know, it reminds me, that trailer reminds me of the ruins. Right. I fucking love the ruins. Because they're like outside yeah. and shit. Right. Sorry, Servant 2. Season 2, I've seen both of it. Nice. If you're if you're on the fence about Servant because it looks like a fucking haunted doll thing, that's not what it is. Hmm. So it's really good. Interesting. You might have sold me on it. You, you'd love it because it's short, sweet, and fun. That's why. Here's what I'm doing with it. When I get home from work, you know, I don't get home till five. And so I just, you know, eat dinner and watch two episodes of Servant and fucking go to bed. Mm. So it's like an easy, quick thing. You know, it's fun. Cool. Servant. Eric, what's your, what's your next thing? Uh, I'd like to do two back-to-back. Nope. If that's okay. Uh, okay, so I watched uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. What? Um. And you, and you know these films started in 2014. You're gonna kill me whenever I try to pronounce his name, Garth Evans, Gareth, Gareth, Gareth Evans. Yeah, it's like Gareth. Well, no, it's Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards. Gareth Ed- Evans is the, the raid guy, right? Uh, did and you VHS too? Did you see that thing I sent you where like the four of the directors got together for like the premiere? Yeah, of I thought yeah. that was neat. Yeah, they I, got together to like talk the films. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, I Gareth did, Edwards is like. He really, you know, I know they, I guess, said Rogue One had problems and shit, but, like, that dude made Godzilla 2014 and Rogue One. Right. So so I assume Adam Wingard's going to get a, a Star Wars now. Give him a spinoff, right? Uh, I mean, he, like, said that in, like, an interview. <laughs> he was like, I want a Star Wars movie. Now. That'd be dope, but Adam Wingard would we not. We want him to go back to your next is what we want. Yeah. Adam Wingard would not be, cause, so I'm a Star Wars fan. Adam Wingard would not be my choice For to direct a Star Wars Okay. Movie. Okay. I'd rather Michael Doherty direct a Star Wars movie. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I've seen all of these, the new MonsterVerse films, right? And I'm thinking, you know what? I got to watch the OG sure. 1954 Godzilla. Yes. And this is something that's like, that's that's a thought that has resonated with me, with me even before the legendary MonsterVerse uh, because of like Cloverfield. Yeah. I've always wanted to see it. But one thing that uh, I've, I've been close-minded about, I'm thinking it's 1954. How is that going to look? Right? Did like, you get the Criterion? It's available on HBO Max. And okay. that's how I watched it. Did you? Was it in Japanese or was it English? It was Japanese. Okay, good. And I am pleased to say I am so fucking wrong it looks fucking awesome have you seen yes the OG? so when godzilla 2014 came out i think i had seen i think it's called so there's an american version and there's a Correct. japanese version i think the american is called godzilla king of the monsters the original american version sure and that is different i've never i think i saw that when i was a kid i don't know but in 2014 after godzilla gareth edwards version came out mm-hmm. uh me, my brother, and actually Kyle Brim. Shout out Kyle Brim if he's around. Um, he, we, uh, I actually made him buy the Criterion oh, nice. Godzilla. We watched the original version, and it is amazing. I'm so glad you feel that way. It's I mean, amazing. I, I, I mean, I know a lot of people probably feel like that because yeah. it's, it's a staple. It's a landmark film. But I'm so glad that I was wrong, and it, and it kind of makes me wonder, like, 
what else am I wrong about? Right. You know, that, just I often being, wonder what you're wrong about. I mean, I'm sure a lot. But, you know, it was just my close-mindedness. Yeah. You know, you know what? You know what? We I, always I'm going that. off the rails again. We also always do that with, like, black and white. It's like, oh, it's black and white. And then sure. it's the greatest thing ever. Sure. Like, when you think about Night of the Living Dead, every time I watch it, which I know is one of the greatest movies ever, I love it. But, you but, know, they shot it in black and white for, like, budgetary oh, reasons. Oh, I know. I know that. But what I'm saying is I'm like, oh, yeah, it's black and white. And then you watch it. And, and that, it, is it's the, one of the, it is the best thing. <laughs> I mean, pretty much, yeah. It's one yeah. of the best movies fucking ever made. Absolutely. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, oh, whenever I'm probably, um, here comes a mispronounced name. Uh, Bong Joe Ho. I'll try. Go ahead. Bong Joon Ho. Okay. I think uh, he had such a good quote. I think it was whenever he you know, had already won Best Director uh, for Parasite. He said, whenever you get over the one inch obstacle of subtitles, an entire world of film opens yeah. up to you. And I'm probably paraphrasing. But I mean, that's just so true. You know, once I can get over the idea of maybe, you know, limited effects. Yeah. You know, what else is, is waiting for me? Well, in that movie, you, I always picture. And you know what? It looks really good, though. Yeah. I always picture it as like, you know, those later Godzilla movies where like, okay, there's clips of Godzilla versus Kong out there, which I've never seen. Godzilla versus King Kong. Kong it's and, actually King Kong versus Godzilla. Okay. King Kong versus Godzilla. And it's like, you know it kind of looks like a comic book or it lo- I'm sorry. It looks like a comic strip. Sure. Like, uh, and it's, uh, I don't want to talk shit. I mean, it looks stupid. I always think that that's, Oh, okay. Well, that's what Godzilla was going to look like. The original right. Godzilla. And it doesn't, it right. is gorgeous. Godzilla is amazing in it. Mm-hmm. And, and I, it doesn't make sense why it looks that good. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, for real. Uh, and like, you can like tell that it's like miniatures, but it's like, damn, like, yeah, that looks good. And just the idea of like, they like had to build that shit. You yeah. Know what I mean, they had to like shoot it to make it look like it was, you know, this huge monster, you know, wrecking a train. Um, so just to go back just to tad, you know, Godzilla, the original film is about a giant monster mm-hmm. who uh, scientists believe they have awoken from a underwater sea cavern from their, is it hydrogen bomb testing? Yeah. And so he awakes and he comes, um, Onto the shore, onto land, I should say, to and and he starts destroying. Uh, is it what Japanese town are we in? I'm not sure. I, I'm afraid to say. I don't know. Um, and what I like, another reason that I liked about it is like Godzilla is bad. Yeah, he's 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 straight up fucking killing people. He's destroying. Yeah, but these it, towns. But in that film, it's the reaction to like Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Right. Exactly. So. It, yes, he's doing bad things, but also he's doing it for a reason that... What would you say the reason is? Well, I guess I would say that like the message of the film is anti-nuclear yeah, 100%. weapons, right? So, yeah, 100%. Like, I know, but so him awakening is... The result of, of them right. testing... Right, no, right. no, So exactly. it's like, we shouldn't have been doing that. Not saying, but that's what the film is saying. You are 100% correct. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's still Godzilla doing bad things. Sure. And it's because of the human meddling... Yeah, you know that that has awoken him, uh, but just like uh, and you know and, and they're and they're referencing Hiroshima and Nagasaki throughout the film. You know, there's a moment whenever uh, they're trying to decide: do we let people know about Godzilla? Because like when he when he like first comes on land, it's just like a small area. Yeah, and finally this council agrees: yes, let's let's let people know. And so you know they publish a story about it in the newspaper, and there's a part where these people are reading the story on the train, and one of them says, you know, like I survived Nagasaki, now I have to deal. <laughs> with this you know it's like holy shit that's fucked up and then there's another part 
where he's just like, you know, destroying this town. He's fucking breathing fire. He's, he's just wrecking shit. And there's this woman and her two small children and they don't, and they know they're going to fucking die. And, uh, the mother says, we'll be with your father soon. And I was just like, God fucking damn. I didn't know that it was such a bleak, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. uh, film. Um, I think that's what I mean by (laughs) this kind of plays into our future conversation, but I think that's kind of also what I'm talking about with the difference between that and like King Kong versus Godzilla or like there's stuff where it's like Godzilla final wars and this shit where it gets so big and so crazy that, uh, the, the, it loses itself in the tone where like originally it was very serious. You're, you're hitting the nail on the head for what I'm about to say. Yeah. Okay. So since I loved the original Godzilla so much, I thought, wow, now there's a whole world Uh-oh, of Godzilla no, no. films for me. So, uh, I'm, I'm polling the internet, you know, to see what are the more popular yeah. uh, Godzilla films. And I decided to settle on Godzilla 2000. No. Now, this is a film that came out in 1999. And this is in the wake of Godzilla 99 or 98? 98. Roland Emmerich? Yeah. And this was trying to like, they put this out in the US to try to capitalize on people liking, well, not liking, but that movie being a success. From what I read on the internet, people like Godzilla 2000. Yeah. And 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 you're right. This is a year after yep. uh, the Matthew Broderick, Broderick American version. Tatopolis. Right. Uh, what the fuck are you saying? Tatopolis? That's his last name in the movie. Oh, gotcha. I'm glad you know that. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so Godzilla 2000. There is. When a, I was a kid, I thought that was the greatest movie ever made. Oh, you've seen Godzilla 2000? No, I'm talking about Roland Emmerich. Yeah. Okay. And of course, I. So the story is, we watched uh, Cloverfield in in 2008, and I and I went home and I was like, oh my god, I need monster movies in my life again. Mm-hmm. And I put in Godzilla, Roland Emmerich is 98, 99, whatever it is. And I was like, I love this movie. When I was a kid, it's the greatest movie I've ever seen. And I watched it and I thought, oh no, this is fucking horrible and <laughs> right. i found out that day that cinema is not the same as when you were a kid sure yeah 100 uh so there is a uh father and daughter uh they're known as the uh, group known as the godzilla prediction network like they they're able to tell like whenever godzilla is going to uh show up monarch uh and and Whenever he does in Godzilla 2000, he's like trying to destroy their like power sources. Like he like takes out like a big like electrical grid. Mm-hmm. If the film explains why I missed it. Anyways, at the same time, there is this con- this giant meteorite at the bottom of the ocean that these scientists have just discovered. Nice, and it's this big deal, and they try to raise it uh, out of the sea, and when they do. Uh, the sun powers it and it turns out to be a UFO. Oh, okay. And so now this UFO in Godzilla are on some type of collision course. Okay. And uh, eventually uh, they discover Godzilla has uh, a regener- regenerative, probably mispronounced that, uh, health trait. And the UFO is able to sample it and they make their own monster. Okay. And so it's this big alien UFO monster versus Godzilla. I fucking didn't like this at all. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not because of the way it looks, but, and you know, the idea of Godzilla fighting a UFO monster sounds fucking tight on paper, but this was just not for uh, 
free. Dog. I remember shortly after being a kid and finding out that there was a Godzilla 2000, I got excited and oh. I never did see that movie. So, uh, and then like what's confusing in tone is like, even after Godzilla defeats the alien monster, uh, he's just like, he starts to like demolish the city and like the human characters. There's like a part where they're like, why does Godzilla keep saving us? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He just fucking took out fucking four blocks right. of this city. He, he saved you from the alien monster, sure, but now fucking, now all those people are dead. Yeah. I don't know. This wasn't, for, but I'm not giving up on Godzilla films. I want to keep watching so, Godzilla films, So, but I did not like this particular one. When I went to uh, El Paso, Texas to see it in IMAX, mm-hmm. I stopped into FYE and they had this insane, insane, um, the reason I went there is they have a great steelbook section. Mm. And so they had this insane sale going on, like almost all the steelbooks were on sale. I'm afraid to tell you what some of them were because you're going to be like, why didn't you get them for me? Uh, like they had like, okay, you have to remember this is a steelbook because you're going to say, well, who cares about that movie? They had an Annabelle steelbook, the first mm. Annabelle, and it was $6.99. For a Whoa. steelbook of Annabelle, that's fucking dope. Tell me what you did get. So I got three. Okay. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I got the King Kong versus God. The most expensive one I got was King Kong versus Godzilla steelbook. Oh, shit. This, and it's, the 1963 film. Yes. Oh, and wow. It's dope as hell, the steelbook. And it was $14.99. Oh, wow. And, and of course, you know, I was like, ah, do I need this? And Ben said, dude, just get it. We're coming to see Godzilla versus Kong. And I was like, you're right. Mm-hmm. Got that. Um, the middle one I got was, uh, I keep forgetting one of them, but the, the big steel that I got was uh, the Arrow Last House on the Left Steelbook. Shit. And it was nine ninety nine. That's crazy. Insane. Because, I mean, that's that's easily 30 That's like plus a 30 – no, yeah. not the Steelbook is like $30. Right. So it was nine ninety nine. you know, shrink-wrapped and everything. I wish I could remember what the third fucking movie I got was. I okay, well, what did you see that? You passed on. Oh, there, there was Shaun of the Dead, hmm. but I already have the Mondo Shaun of the Dead Steelbook, and I have – Shaun of the Dead. I got the Cornetto trilogy in 4K, so I I don't need more uh, fucking Shaun of the Dead. Um, They had like it. They had um, a lot of shit I already owned. Uh, They had the Ferris Bueller's Day Off steelbook that I already own. Um, I don't know. They had a ton of shit, and I was blown away, but I didn't. I'm trying. I'm actually trying to get rid of some of my Blu-rays, so I was not buying anything, but the problem is a steelbook to me is different than just a Blu-ray I don't want. Mm-hmm. Like that Annabelle, that's kind of what I'm saying about Annabelle. Like a steelbook for Annabelle for $7, that's fucking sick. Uh, but I don't really care to own Annabelle that much. But if it's a steelbook, then I want it. Um, Damn, that's awesome. I wish I could have been there for that. I wish I could remember what the fucking, Ben, what was the third movie I got? He, he can't remember either. I, I'm trying to, what the fuck was it? Yeah, that's tight. Oh, Ben, I, I'm glad I'm not sitting. So so the way ben, uh, Keegan is sitting is he can see the TV and Ben is playing Fortnite and I would just, I wouldn't be able to fucking record this. I'm just watching. I would just want to I'm talk. Watching ben, I would just want to watch Ben. I'm watching games. Ben die over and <laughs> over again. <laughs> it's like live, die, repeat over here. Right. Or, or uh, Edge of Tomorrow. But or, it's tight because he's playing Fortnite as Master Chief. Yeah, he's that's the cool part. He's, he, I, you know he picked that Master Chief skin today for you. Right. Hell yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, so anyways, I don't remember. what Dude, it's killing me what that third steelbook was. Hmm. I don't remember. Um, but uh, today I just got the War of the Worlds 4K steelbook in. Hmm. Um, anyways, so why did I bring that up? Oh, I got the King Kong versus awesome. Godzilla and I haven't watched it yet. Awesome. Awesome. There's that funny meme where... 
it's and it's from it's from King Kong versus Godzilla, where like Godzilla's on the ground, and 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 Godzilla says, "Save Mothra." Oh, King yeah. Kong says, "Why did you say that name?" Well, we're gonna get to that. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Why did you say that? <laughs> yeah, so that's good. Uh, I remembered what it was. It's not a third steel book. I got two steel books, and they had. You're gonna say, "Why didn't I own this?" I never owned the Blu-ray of this, and it was the cheapest. This is like a thirty-dollar Blu-ray on Amazon. I've never seen this cheap on Amazon. They had House of the Devil Blu-rays, the Ty oh, West wow. film. I never owned because it was. It's always been kind of an expensive movie. I think it was put out by Magnet back in the day. I think. Okay, I remember Magnet. Um, and uh, it was five dollars, brand new. Blu-ray. I was like, oh, this is yeah. I need to get this. It's fucking House of the Devil. Oh wow. That's it. Easy decision. That's my FYE. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I've pulled out a whole stack of shit I don't want and it's sitting in my room and I'm trying to figure out what to do with it. Mm. Um, One of them is Scarecrows on Blu-ray. Yeah, but you know what's crazy? It's out of print. So it's worth like 60 bucks on eBay. You know what fucking Dana told me the other day? I don't, I don't care. And I don't know if this is fucking true or not. Scream Factory's Halloween set is like $500. Yeah. Well, the one that you have mm-hmm. is worth a lot. The one that I have, I have the 10 disc, you have the 15 disc. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's worth less, but yours is worth a lot. That's wild. Um, they need to do a fucking Nightmare on Elm Street box set. I'd rather see um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre before. Oh, okay. So my, right? my next thing is um, I finally popped. Now I've only seen two episodes. Oh, I finally popped my Holliston cherry. Oh wow! So I've I've I finally watched the first two episodes of Halston. Here's the thing, though: Halston isn't good. No, but it's like they're referencing horror films the yeah. entire time. It's it's Adam Green and Joe Lynch. It's like it gets a pass because of that. The spirit of it. I will say, like, so I don't like. I can say this one with confidence. I don't like sitcoms. Okay. At all, and it's and it's annoying how it's like trying to be one. Yeah, this is a horror sitcom, and. uh I I'm enjoying it because I like Adam and Joe, but uh, I would say just the one standout thing for me was like that when they reference things that they don't explain, I think is funny, but it's also kind of that thing where like, Hey, I know what that is, which is kind of also annoying when you do too much of it. But one of them was the scanners thing. I don't know if you remember that in the first episode, they're like, saying are you trying to scanners me and they're like looking at each other and the music changes and they're like gonna blow each other's heads up and there's a shot of him blowing up uh adam blowing up joe lynch's head and it's like it's full effects and everything explodes Mm -hmm. and then it goes back together he's like did you just scanners me (laughs) um that's funny Uh, so anyways that's actually it i've watched the first two episodes of holliston um you know rest in peace uh odorous arungus i don't and so I'm not a hard rock guy. Okay. Um, which sounds funny to say. So like the fact that there's a Guar character, which by the again, rest in peace. I, that sucks that he's gone. Mm-hmm. That's sad. But the fact Dave Brocky. Dave Brocky, yes. But the fact there's a Guar guy and also D Snyder is like I don't give a shit about like these rock stars from back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so those parts are annoying to me. From Adam's heyday. Right. But the story of like your ex-girlfriend coming back to town and you having to be friends with her, right. I'm enjoying that. Uh, there's a fun, uh, you know, 
it's a reference that I get moment is he's telling somebody about uh, the Pumpkinhead sequels and they're surprised that there's there there are Pumpkinhead <laughs> you know sequels and Blood somebody, Wings right and somebody asks about you know one of them and he goes it's a movie <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, I definitely like yeah Holliston, but it's not like the greatest thing I'm enjoying it there are some off color jokes that you couldn't do anymore hmm. like there's I'm not gonna say what they are um, bless his heart I love Adam Lynch uh, fuck. Adam, yeah, Adam Green and Joe Lynch. But they uh, there's a few of them where it's like, oh, yeah, this was at, of its time because they say things. What I don't like is I feel like Adam Green thinks he's writing good material. Yeah. And it's not like. A, I feel bad that you're saying this because it's I agree. True. But I love Adam Green. Like like there's there's one episode. Let me tell you this. He writes better than I would ever write. Sure. There's, there's like one episode where Joe goes into a diner and somehow he gets stuck in the diner. Like he doesn't have money. Drinking coffee. Yeah. It's the second episode. And so he's afraid. So he can't leave, but he keeps ordering the coffee. Yeah. And I'm like, you think you're Seinfeld, but you're not even like I was gonna a say, close I w- caliber I was gonna to say, Seinfeld. It's like he thinks it's George Costanza. Right, exactly. Like, eh, just, eh. And again, I don't really like sitcoms. I like Holliston. It's just, it's not very good. That's no. You've always told me that. You said, I would tell you I'd want to watch it. And you're like, eh, don't watch it, Don. <laughs> But, you know, I again, I should say I like it so far. I've seen two hours of it. I enjoy it. I will say they're too long. Hmm. They're 45, minute lo- 45 minutes long, and I'm like, why are these sitcom episodes, this long. you know, longer than episodes of Servant? And Servant's fucking good. Hmm. So, um, but, I, you know, I like them. I like the cast. I like uh, Laura Ortiz mm-hmm. is one of them. And she's fun. Corey English. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm enjoying it. It's just... Uh, I agree it's not the greatest. I feel like shit saying it. You can hear it in my voice. I feel bad, but it's not Because we like Adam Green. I love Adam Green. And his films, some of them, I mean, they're way better than this show. Oh, sure. Um, Like Frozen, like everybody always says, is like the greatest thing he fucking ever made. So I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. You know what? I'm not going to say it. Okay. Okay. Are you sure you don't want to say it? Yeah. It, it was it was going to continue this Adam Green hate thing we got going on. But we love Adam Green. We do love Adam Green. I think Joe Lynch is the better filmmaker. I I think we've done this before. I think I think Joe Lynch makes movies, and I think Adam Green is like the Kevin Smith of horror movies. He makes stuff for himself. He makes stuff, and for his six people that watch, including me, I'm one of the six. Right. But his films are always about him, or about the genre, or references to stuff he made, or whatever. You know what I feel really bad about is the new Creep Show. I'm not watching it. I don't think it's very good. I, oh, felt that's that, sad. I felt that way about the first season. I watched the first episode of the new season. I feel the same. And Joe Lynch's episode airs tomorrow. Oh, nice. But Are you going to watch I'm Marilyn Manson's watch episode? I thought they took him out. It's, no? Yeah, it's canceled. It's oh, gone. Yeah. So, Fuck that guy, by the way. Well, let's not get never sorry. Yeah, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Okay, so do you have more? No, I'm done. Okay. Thank God. Thank Christ. <laughs> Pretty soon we're going to review Godzilla versus Kong. And uh, do our rankings, but Eric, right. uh, go ahead. Okay, so I've got three more, but they all tie in uh, together. Uh, when our, you said three more, people like t- tuned threw off. their phone out the window. <laughs> um, you can get it on your toaster. Uh, I re- uh, That's a really fun uh, uh, part. Uh, I rewatched Psycho Gorman. I'm not going to talk it because I talked it on the PG. last episode. Right. I think I liked it even more, though, uh, the second viewing. Uh, the guy who wrote and directed Psycho Gorman, Stephen Kostansky, is a member of Astron 6. Astron 6 is a yeah. group of Canadian uh, filmmakers. Correct. And so I thought, well, this is a good chance to revisit 
uh, some Astron 6 films. So the first one I revisited was uh, The Editor. Uh, the Editor is a gylo. Um, it is a gylo. Yeah. Mimicking gylos. Right. Uh, you know, to the I always point- said giallo, but I think it's gylo. I'm going to go with giallo. Um, you know, to, to the point where to, I think they like even dub their own voices. That's awesome. You know, because they're, you know, really trying to nail down um, that gylo feel. Uh, it is about a... Uh, a man by the name of Ray Ciso, who is a film editor on a gylo, I think, and murders start happening on set, and he becomes suspect uh, number one. I decided I didn't like the editor. I saw your letterbox rating. And it what low. it is to me is it's more parody than it is an homage. Sure. You know, whereas Grindhouse, I feel like, is like referencing lovingly referencing you know these days of the past or, or even cabin in the woods right is like an homage to those things not ju- not making fun of it that's what i feel the editor is i feel like they're making fun of okay. and i'm not saying like i gotta defend gylos and gylos yeah. are the only so you know and they can't well, be made I, I fun think of it leads to what you're saying is it's it's insincere right exactly. where we appreciate like i like um uh i was gonna say i like scary movie but even scary movie is sort of insincere in a way but um yeah, I would say Cabin in the Woods, but it's like a love letter to the thing. Even though it's making fun of it, it's with it. It's in on the joke. Exactly, exactly. And this is just kind of like too absurd. You know what I was thinking about for me? with Cabin in the Woods? Tell me. Are we going to have to like not like Cabin in the Woods because oh, of Joss, Joss Whedon. Whedon's involvement? Yeah, I, I will know. say Drew Goddard directed it. Sure. And he's fucking, until he does something wrong. <laughs> and we, can, we can be pro Cabin in the Woods. Inevitably, exactly, yeah. Uh, so I ultimately didn't care too much for the editor. I felt like I felt like this even the first time around. Maybe, maybe not specifically why, because it felt like a parody, but like I felt like I just didn't like it, period. Um, Paz de la Huerta, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Nurse 3D. Correct. She and like sued over the... Go ahead. Over Nurse 3D? Yeah, because I get... Yeah, she sued over like the marketing or something. Yeah, but I don't know. I didn't know that. Uh, there's a shot at the end of the editor of her butt for like one second, and I'm going to say watch the editor... Uh, just for that. I have it on Blu-ray, and I, I guess I'll just skip through the movie and watch yeah, it. I, I've never seen it. Just see that quick clip of her butt. Okay, and then the next thing I watched. Uh, How does that tie into the next thing? Paz oh. de la Huerta's butt. Oh, well, Pat, that's why you watch the editor. Okay, but it ties into the next thing? It doesn't tie into the next thing. The next but thing, it should. The next thing. Well, should. <laughs> the, the next thing is another Astron 6 uh, film, uh, The Void. Uh, this is uh, also Stephen Kostansky, uh, co-directed by Jeremy Galipsy. Uh, you know what? The first time I watched The Void, uh, I wrote this film off, and I think I was wrong about it. Um, I never saw The Void. Okay, this isn't an accurate description, but this is how it makes me feel. It's if um, Assault on Precinct 13 was a cosmic horror film. Uh, it is about- A siege film. Right. Um, it is a hospital. They have recently had a fire in their basement. So this, so the staff and the equipment is having to move to a new hospital. But until that time happens, like the hospital is like still open for business, but it's a skeleton crew. And at the start of the film, this man, uh, the sheriff, a police officer, he finds this man crawling down the highway. So he takes them. Um, so he takes them to this hospital and learns that there's a cult uh, that won't let them leave. And they, what's what I'm looking for? Not praise. They, you know, pray to, uh, help me out. Worship. Worship. There you go. Uh, you know, some type of cosmic being. Okay. And then it turns into practical 
affect insanity? Like almost akin yeah, to the thing, the thing, yeah. right? Except for it's like shaky cam and it's um, like strobe lighting, which I feel like maybe they're. I mean, I think they're probably doing that to maybe like hide, right? You know, the the rubber suit. And but you know, I would obviously like to see it. Um, Don't forget your rubbers, right? Um, I think it's good this time around. I enjoyed it a lot more, and it's also like a serious like. Like they're not trying to be funny, right? Here, this is like this is like real shit. This is like a real threat uh, that we have to deal with, and it eventually turns into like, are we in hell? Have we been in hell? Uh, I liked it a lot more uh, second time around. It's a blind spot for me. It's a movie yeah. I should have saw, never did, but uh, I want to. I would recommend The Void now. You know, what? I want to say I didn't end up watching it because you were down on it last yeah. time you watched it. Yeah, I was I was down the first time, but I'm 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 around now. You're pro Void, right? And now the last one. Uh, it's called Chow Boys. Uh, Chow Boys is a nine-minute short. Uh, you can watch this on uh, YouTube. This was made by Astron6. Uh, it's about a group of cowboys. Uh, it's, it's supposed to be like 1886. Uh, it is Christmas Eve. Wherever they are, it's snowing. They know they're not going to survive the night, so they think they may have to uh, turn to cannibalism. And then... Uh, hilarity ensues. Hilarity ensues, yeah. So... I'm happy to say I went back to uh, give Astron 6 another chance. Some made it, some didn't. Uh, totally off topic. Okay. I recently was was reading um, an article popped up. like It was shared by actually Grindhouse's Facebook page. And it was for... Um, How they, is, they, they, they did actually film the Piranha scene yes. in Cannibal Holocaust? Yes. And this is so off topic. I'm sorry. But uh, I read that, and I was reading about it and showed the picture of the piranha scene. How did you know about it? You saw it on their Facebook? I saw it, too. And, uh, you know, I was like, man, I love Cannibal Holocaust. And I was reading, and then it, it showed a picture of uh, – I totally – like, I always think about the animal violence as, like, the uh, turtle and the monkey. The pig. So what I was going to bring up was I forgot about the pig. Um, I forgot about just how, like, fucked up that is. Like, the other ones I always – I always have those in my head because those are the more sort of – like uh, gruesome parts of that movie, but I feel like the worst part is like that pig because it's just so wailing. Yeah, like and it's like it just feels like like it, I think it's like the American actor doing it too. It's right. The, it's the actor. It's right. not. It's not the uh, what are they called? The tree people. The tribe. Yeah, it's like the actor doing it. It's like well, that's even more fucked up. Than, right. Like, but anyways, still love that movie. But I was just thinking about that when I read that article. Right, right. I didn't read that article where they saying that like they have access to that footage. No, now, no, they, it was just, just that they actually so, shot it. Someone had talked to some a, a new interview. Someone had said that that piranha scene was shot, and he saw it being shot. The the original story was like the cam- the underwater cameras weren't working, right, or something like that. But there is like stills of it, the yeah, pictures. yeah. And the, there's a still in, in in that article, and then it was like quotes from someone saying, "I was there on the set when I saw." Ruggiero, 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 Diodato saying like action and cut and stuff. But no, I mean, it's a pointless article basically, but it made me think about that pig and I felt bad. Gotcha. Yeah. So I thought I went off the rails. Sorry about that, Eric. Uh, So you were talking. Yeah. So that's all I got. All right, Dom. That was what we've been watching. And now as we hopefully don't run out of steam. Is it time for Eric Coffin's territory? Sure. Let's do it. Okay, well, now it's time for Eric Coffin's Terratunes. Eric Coffin's Terratunes. Fuck you, E-Dog. Fuck you. Fuck you, E-Dog. Fuck you. All right, I got a brief one. 
Thank God. But uh, it's a good one. Do you wear uh, boxers or briefs, Eric? I wear boxer briefs. Whoa! Okay, so Stop this, the presses! So for this Terror Tunes, the band I'm talking about is the Crimson Ghosts. Okay, no round of applause. Uh, the Crimson Ghost is a horror punk band that I originally found on MySpace. I know I say that all the goddamn time, but it's funny that they're still around. Right. A lot of these bands. Unlike Prom Night Girls. Unlike Prom Night Girls, which you was, should, which was the best you that, know, MySpace horror punk absolutely. band. Absolutely. Now that you're in this state, here's, here's I feel like that thing, would raise duh. you up, Don. Here's the thing, Don. Sean Fournier, the guitarist of yes, Prom Night Girls. Yes, shout out to Sean. He's got like a wife and kids, and it makes me feel weird. Why? Because like... I'm like on eBay looking for Pacific Rim Uprising toys. Right. He's like, oh, I'm raising my second child. And he's on eBay looking for adult toys. Well, I don't know what he's looking for, but it's just weird that like. So just the get, idea get of being in town, The idea dog. of being in a horror punk band is like, he doesn't have the time for. Yeah, but I mean, it's about as lame as it was when you did it originally. So why don't that's, you just keep that's doing That's not it? the thing if, if it was lame then or the, lame now. The, the boys are back in town. The boys are back in town. I can see a montage of you guys walking down the street. It'd be great. I'd be in an old Mis- uh, Misfits t-shirt. Yep. Okay. And so if I had to make a list of my favorite horror punk bands from Europe, Crimson Ghosts are easily top five. So here is the song, The King of Skull Island. Okay, so uh, with songs also about Return of the Living Dead, uh, The Exorcist and Hellraiser, their 2005 album, Leaving the Tomb, gets E-Dog's stamp of horror punk <laughs> approval. Great song. Yep, there we go. That, that was a short one. That was my coffee. But Eric, you know what? I topical. Had, yes. That's, that's, that was my original vision for Terror Tunes. Short, sweet, and to the point. Was that it would tie into the topic. Yeah, you've been and, doing that pretty well. Well, I kind of trail sometimes. But, well, I wouldn't know. say sometimes, but yeah. All the times. Yeah. But okay, yeah, so. And that was? That was the Crimson Ghost no, with no. the King of Skull Island for E-Dogs. Eric Coffin's Terratunes. Eric Coffin's Terratunes. Fuck you, E-Dog. Fuck you. Fuck you, E-Dog. Fuck you. I'm glad that Ben got in for the... The sing-along. One day we'll get Ben back on the podcast. One, one I'm day. I'm sure it'll go just as well as it did last time. Well, when you once you get that podcasting board. I, it's coming. Not yet. He can I, easily I'm, join us, right? Here's does, the that, thing. does that mean you have to buy more mics, though? Yes. Yeah, well, that means I have to buy mics because I didn't buy these. <laughs> <laughs> these are fucking I remember Andrews. it was like a big deal when I was like, let's get mic stands. Yeah. And you're like, nah, dad, it's $12 for a mic stand. Eric, how much money have you put into the podcast <laughs> ever? <laughs> Not $12. Never. So uh, anyways, with that in mind, uh, I think it's finally time for our uh, feature presentation, yes. which is our Godzilla vs. Kong extended review. 
as well as our ranking of the MonsterVerse. I'm nervous because he said extended. And so hit the music. Okay, so we're going to review Godzilla vs. Kong yes. first, and then we're going to uh, rank these four films. Okay, so Godzilla vs. Kong is two weeks old now Yes, uh, at this point, and if you haven't had an opportunity to see it, uh, the film picks up like in present time. It's been three years since I, King of the Monsters. I think so. And we learned that. He hasn't been seen. He has not been seen. Right. Uh, but we learned that there is a... Uh, uh, a uh, company called uh, Apex Technology, Apex Dynamic Cyberdyne, uh, Apex Technology, right? Exactly. And for some reason, Godzilla has attacked one of their facilities. Facilities, right? Uh, this is completely unprovoked, and so people want to know why is uh, Godzilla turning bad? And there's those like newspaper articles at the beginning, like like heroic Titan, right? No, no longer, longer savior savior no, of yeah, humanity. Exactly. Okay, so uh, we meet the head of Apex Technology, Demian Brochere playing a man named Walter Simmons. Yes. I'm not making that up at all. Uh, and he goes to- uh, And apparently the son of Dr. Sirisawa. That I have no fucking idea. I don't either. There, there is-, there is uh, They call him Sirisawa. Yeah, there, there's a or Japanese ha- character in yeah. this film with the name Sirisawa. Of course, we know- Dr. Sarazawa from the 2014 Godzilla and, and King of the Monsters and King of the Monsters who sacrifices himself in order to yeah. uh, revive uh, Godzilla. There's a character in this name, Sarazawa, and I don't know what his affiliation is with. The film is so at a breakneck pace that they say Sarazawa and I'm like, is he supposed to be related? And then it right. just keeps they, going. They don't explain that. Yeah. I'll tell you what though. That's one of the reasons I like this film so yeah. much is that it's under two hours. It's under an hour and 45 minutes. That is incredible. Um, so they go to this scientist by the man uh, played by Alexander Skarsgård. And we love all Skarsgårds. And uh, you learn that he's written a book on the hollow earth theory. Yes. This is something that is a, is a established in uh kong skull island and something that's utilizing king of the monsters well it's and established in confused. 2014 oh is it it, it is when they well, first... okay well technically skull island comes before oh sure but in in the 24 which is the film that came out before right uh it they talk about the hollow earth theory and stuff in that but remember when they first find that like like they first find the Muto that has broken out of the earth. And that first, like it was like a mining accident. Gotcha. Uh, they're talking about like, could it be, is it the mine? Is it hollow earth? Hollow yeah. earth. Okay. So hollow earth is a theory that, uh, Dr. Brooks, uh, in Kong skull Island, yes. uh, establishes that, uh, and, and the way it's presented in, um, King of the monsters, it's like, uh, cavernous, hallways that Godzilla is able to travel right through the earth, which is how he gets to places so quickly. Right. So what's, what confuses me is how in Godzilla versus Kong, it's like a huge, big environment. Yeah. That I didn't, I, I, I still can't consolidate those two things. Can you? Sure. Well, I mean, it, it kind of feels like it kind of feels like they're, they're writing it to figure out how, you know, it's screenwriting to get, it's like means to an end. 
Like where in that film it was, this is how he's getting to the places so quickly. Right. And then in this film, it's like, we need this whole environment for Kong to go into. So now it's this whole environment. Right. So now the hollow earth in Godzilla vs. Kong, you learn this is where Titans are born. Yeah. And this is oh, Alexander Skarsgård theory. Let me quickly say, uh, we're not going to spoil Godzilla versus Kong. Right. I'm just giving, giving them the setup. No, I know. But we may, if you don't want to know anything about that movie, just turn the podcast podcast off now. Right. Because we are going to spoil elements of the film, but not what happens. You probably should have already turned off the podcast. Yes. Honest. Well, right. I definitely would. But right. I will say like, if you don't want to be spoiled on Godzilla versus Kong or any of the MonsterVerse movies, let's say that all of them. Sure. All four. Just don't listen. That's fine. Turn it off. Goodbye. We love you. Thank you I'm for making sor- it this far. I'm sorry that you had to listen to this. <laughs> um, we're not going to spoil that film, but like there's, for instance, a, a, a threat in Godzilla versus Kong. And we are going to say that. Right. So we've already. So if you don't want to know that threat, leave now. Okay. Eric, please now continue. Okay. Spoilers starting now, but not full spoilers. Not full spoilers. Okay. So Walter Simmons. Played by Damien Brucher, yes. Bouchard, uh, goes to Alexander Skarsgård and says, "Hey, I have something that can stop Godzilla. Because now Godzilla is perceived to be a threat. Because why is he attacking Apex facilities? But it is in the Hollow Earth. Can you get us there? And to get us there, we need Kong to lead us. So thus begins the journey of getting Kong uh, to, to Hollow, Hollow Earth. To Hollow Earth, right?" But of course, uh, you know, established in Jap- uh, Japanese, established in Godzilla 2014, Godzilla is going to awake when there's another Titan. Yeah. So that what creates the conflict. There between- can't be another alpha predator. Correct. Uh, if there is, he will have to destroy it. Right. Exactly. So that raises. Uh, so that's why they uh, fight. That that's what creates the conflict b- between them as they're trying to find the power source that could stop Godzilla. Yes. Um, I feel like you should go first on if you like the move, like your review basically of the film, like you should start. Okay. I fucking loved it. I figured I was super, uh, into it. And you know what it is for me? Uh, E dog is team Kong. He's so emotive. I'm so worried about his, fil- you know, he's, it's, it's how I feel about the dog in uh crawl. Sure. The entire time. I'm just so, uh, worried about him. Uh, the first time, King Kong and Godzilla meet they're out in the sea. Yeah. They're they're transporting Kong on this huge like um what do you call that? Uh, aircraft carrier. Aircraft carrier, right. And there's a part where it flips over. Yeah. And Kong is shackled to it. And so he's underwater and I'm like, "Oh my god, Kong's going to drown." This entire time I'm just worried about him. And I feel- There was something that there was something in that scene where I was like, "Oh yeah, Godzilla can probably breathe underwater." It looks like he has gills. I mean, he does. I mean, he's traveling through yeah. the hollow earth. Tunnels. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, yes. And so it was in that moment. I was like, oh yeah. Like I hadn't even thought about that as a weakness for Kong. Right. That, oh yeah. And like, he can't breathe underwater. Right. And you can like see he's like panicking. He's yeah. like stressing out, you know? Um, and so I just, I feel like I have more of a relationship sure. uh, with Kong than well, I do with. Well, he has a face. Right. Exactly. Right. And then, you know, I even read a, um, and it, uh, it wasn't an interview. It was like a just a quote from uh, from Adam Wingard, where like he had to take notes from Toho mm-hmm. about how they want Godzilla portrayed. And one of them was like he can't emote unless it's like him looking, you know, like Menacing. ferocious, yeah. right? Exactly. So I feel like Godzilla versus Kong is a Kong movie. Yeah. 
uh, he is like, I feel like the center of uh, the action. I, I'm glad that you're bringing that up in that way. Cause my first thing, what we were going to talk about is this is a Kong movie, not a Godzilla movie. And, and this but, reminds me of like AVP where alien versus predator is clearly a predator movie. And I wish it was an alien movie. And so part of my review for this film is going to be, this is a Kong movie. Right. And you say you're team Kong. Well, I'm team Godzilla. And so that is part of my struggle. Like it's not a Godzilla movie at all. Well, here, here's my thing. Why I think that's okay. Sure. Is because I think I can connect with Kong more. And also we've already had two Godzilla movies. No, I know. So now this is the second. That's not my only critique, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Kong. Um, Film. Yeah. Um, you know, so just aside from liking the character so much, caring about him the the entire time, I even like the human characters this yeah. time around. Whereas in King of the Monsters, I thought they were just fucking atrocious. Um, and then, of course, the film lives up to its title. Yeah. Of Godzilla vs. Kong. This is easily, I'm not going to say the best kaiju film, but I mean, it met my expectations. Yeah. So that's why I was super into it. Let's uh, well, I pretty much bounce ag- off of what you're saying. I pretty Hear much what you're saying. I pretty much agree with everything you're saying. Mm-hmm. Just not to the as I'm not as enthusiastic as you are about it. Okay, uh, I really liked Godzilla versus Kong. Uh, you know, was there is the, is there going to be a movie in this where I don't like? You know, Godzilla's in it. He's fucking shit up. Um, you know, it's gorgeous. It's uh, you know, I'm gonna like this movie. So of course I like it. I don't love it, and I really wanted to fucking love it. That kind of surprises me because, correct me if I'm wrong, you're pro King of the Monsters. So right? I love King of the Monsters. Wow. So tell me, so what, you, what what do you like about King of the Monsters that Godzilla vs Kong isn't doing? So Godzilla vs Kong, I think it's the tone. The tone is so flippant. It's so um, I don't know. There's something about like the way Godzilla's shot in it as well, where I feel like there's no like terror. Like I feel like he's um, there's that scene where he arrives and 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 it. It's the it it's the eye is what it is, and he he when he first attacks that apex facility facility, um it just like they're like oh Godzilla's here, and I feel like for me what I've liked so much about uh, Godzilla 2014 especially, and even King of the Monsters is the buildup, the hype, the score, the 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 visual you know part you know the you know we're gonna talk 2014 but. My favorite, one of my favorite parts of that whole movie isn't something that you probably care about as much. It's Godzilla's arrival in Hawaii. Mm. There's this whole sequence where they think it's a tsunami and the, the, the waves come back and there's all those, the fish on the beach and there's the little girl and the dog running through fucking, and it's the terror of like the tsunami and the score, like the score gets out of control. And then, um, you know, it's this insane, hang on, it's this insane buildup, and then, do, 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 and they shoot those red things in the air. Right, the and flares And you can barely even see them, which I know you don't probably like like I do, but you barely see Godzilla, like, walking, and then it's just sound design, that Godzilla sound. Mm-hmm. And um, that, for me, is so much better than watching you know, the hollow earth ship, them flying around in this ship, you know, it's, it, this, this is a sci-fi film. Yeah. I was kind of surprised how sci-fi it yeah. was so much so that even some of the score is like electronic mm-hmm. and, um, it's synth, you know, and I, right. and I got excited. I was like, Ooh, synth. And then it, it didn't really go all the way. And so I, I think this is the worst score mm. of at least the Godzilla films by far. This is the worst score. I, I think the score is barely there. 
which you may say, well, what does it matter? Well, they're so remarkable. I think the score for Godzilla King of the Monsters is one of the best scores I've ever heard. Those monster themes are absolutely like, they're better than the movie. You know, that theme in King of the Monsters is in 1954. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which it's, is awesome. It's, which I didn't know until I watched the 54 yes, version. I was yes. like, oh shit, that's the same that's score. That's why that score is like that. Right. But that, I mean, it, it for me, it's about the buildup. It's about the hype. It's about the arrival, the, you know, and then even in Godzilla King of the Monsters, there's a ton of that. Like I just, you know, I remember like that scene in Antarctica with uh, Kyle Chandler and, uh, there's weird stuff in that movie. Like I think, uh, one of the monsters steps on Sally Hawkins. Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Character. And it's like, what? So like, there's weird stuff in that movie. I almost feel like they needed to kill off, uh, Sarazawa and Sally Hawkins character because they knew it, too much about Godzilla. Exactly. Right. And yeah. in this one, like there's supposed to be like a mystery to him. Like sure. why is he, uh, supposedly evil? Uh, I completely agree with your saying about how, uh, it doesn't seem like it's like a big deal. There's a shot uh, whenever he's attacking the Apex facility at the very beginning where you are seeing Godzilla, like they're inside and he's like torn a hole through the facility. Yeah. And you're seeing it from that perspective. And Godzilla's like really far off in the distance. And it almost makes him seem minuscule. Like, yeah. Like, like unimportant. So I get what you're saying that it doesn't seem like it's as big of a deal or something all yeah, of a sudden. There was something weird about, and I don't know, like, so I really like... Uh, this is going to be hard because I wish I could just love it full full out. And I, and I do like, this makes me so excited for Adam Wingard. Cause I do think it's good. And he made this big, awesome, cool movie. Um, but I'm just, re- it's like a reluctant love of this movie where it's like, I liked it, but, um, you know, I just feel like it doesn't have that hype, that anticipation. It's not shot near as well. It, it, it opens with, well, it opens with the Kong opening, which I think is really good. That was but, a big shock. Yeah. But then once we do finally open the film, it's like, I don't know the guy's name, but the conspiracy theory guy. Brian Tree, and I, Henry's character. And I just got like, I got like Michael Bay, uh, like syndrome watching him like talk about Flint or uh, fluoride in the water and all that. Right. And it's not so much the dialogue. It's just, there's, there's no, there's nothing there. All it is is a joke that someone's a conspiracy theory and that's it. That's his character. That's all we do. And we just, for for every time he talks, did you know they're putting fluoride in the water? And like, it's like an assault. And I'm like, okay, well, who gives a shit? And then even like fucking um, Millie Bobby Brown's character, who I should love from the movie that I do love, which is Killing You the Monsters. Um, there's just nothing there. It's just nothing. And so when you say that they suck in King of the Monsters, uh-huh. I think that film has problems with characters and it is kind of ridiculous. I totally agree. This film doesn't have characters. Like it doesn't. They're just jokes. It's a, this reminds me of Michael Bay writing where it's like one note joke and, and then get back to the action. I, I guess I don't disagree with those characters because I almost feel like the film tells us the mystery before they solve it. Yeah, yeah, good which point. Which is kind of yeah. weird. Uh, but I'm thinking of, uh, we learned that there's a uh, Iwi girl. Is that what the tribe is? Uh, you I, learned, I can't remember how to say it, but yeah. Uh, from uh, Kong Skull Island. From Kong Skull Island, you learn that there's a tribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Iwi people, I'm probably mispronouncing that. And uh, in Godzilla vs. Kong, it explains that there was a storm that was so bad it killed 
Yeah, her whole tribe. Yeah. Her entire tribe. And so there is a woman, a scientist who's been studying Kong for the last decade, Rebecca Hall. She she adopts her. Yeah. And so and and she is a deaf girl, which I think is the strongest part of the movie. And and that is where like that, those were finally human characters for sure that I was like caring about. And it's because I care about Kong and she can actually communicate. I don't know if that's a spoiler, but you learn that Kong understands some uh, sign language that the little girl uh, uses. And so I guess those are the characters that I was uh, sure. into. I, I think that those are the two, the only two characters in the movie is Rebecca Hall and the little girl. That's it. Right. Everything else is a a joke. Uh, and Everything. Then, and Alexander Skarsgård's a good-looking guy that's scared. Right. You know, you have uh, Billy he's, Bobby Brown, who's now a conspiracy theorist. He he's, was, he's not terrible, terrible, but I get what you're saying. I love him. I, I love him as an actor, and I think he's okay. Like, he does it. It was fun to see him uh, not be a tough guy. Right. So I enjoyed it. I... I liked the movie. Uh, there's a part where uh, whenever they make it to Hollow Earth, Kong doesn't know what's happening. And you learn that it's in Antarctica. And the little girl is trying to sign to Kong, okay, go this way. Yeah. And he's not understanding her. And they express that like they can't make it back to Skull Island because of the fight between the two of them has wiped out their entire fleet. So their only option is to get him to go in. Right. And Kong can't survive in, in Antarctica. And it's kind of this like sad, like heartbreaking moment where like Kong is left all alone. If he doesn't do what they're trying to get him to do, uh, he won't survive. So it, I felt like this is the first time in all four of these films that I was finally on board with the human aspect. You know, her and, and the little girl genuinely cares for Kong and she's like pleading with him, please go uh, this way. Yeah, I mean, I'm incredibly interested hearing you talk about it because I, I did like that. And like I said, I think they're the only two characters in the movie. And, and but around that, you know, you have this rap of, you know, Millie Bobby Brown and the conspiracy theorists and just constant bombardment of dialogue that's basically like, jokes. you know, jokes. And then, you know, like, oh, you know, I thought the Tide Pod videos were bad. Like right. I almost, I got sued for Tide Pods or whatever. And I'm like, right. is this a Michael Bay movie? I mean, what happened to Adam Wingard? We're talking about Tide Pods? And and then, what? and then, and I know that's not the whole film. The, the I, I will say it's not just that. It's then the action I don't think is shot, um, I think we lose a lot of scale in the action. Really? What about like that first person view when it's like, or that was fucking awesome. Or it's like over Kong's shoulder and he's like running at Godzilla. That was fire. There's a, there's a lot of good in the movie, but I also feel like, um, we just lose the wonderment of like the, the awe. I didn't feel like there was a lot of awe inspiring moments or shots. And this reminded me of how I felt about like Pacific Rim or Pacific Rim uprising. I mean, there's a shot in the movie where, uh, the Zero Sawa character is like, um, he can't handle the power. And like, his eyes are rolling back into his head and he has the right. helmet on. I was like, is this fucking Pacific Rim? Like, what is going on? Right. I just think there's too much. This felt, He needs a second pilot. Yeah, this this felt like we're going into like camp joke territory, um, which is fine. I still will enjoy it. Uh, I'm sorry, I want to keep it talking. Felt, it, just feel, it feels too flippant for me, but go ahead. Uh, okay, so... 
uh, I, I said how I thought King of the Monster human characters are atrocious. What turns me off is that uh, it's these human characters are saying it's it's the king. I feel like King of the Monsters says that the monsters are only allowed what they can do because of what the humans can do. So, for example, there's a part in King of the Monsters whenever Millie Bobby Brown like ex- escapes from the compound, so she can go and broadcast yeah. the Orca at uh, the Red Sox Stadium yeah. at Fenway Park, and that just kind of seems like such bullshit. Yeah, to me that no, we need this eleven-year-old girl to do this. So in yep. order for the monsters to do that, and, 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 and the, that is, and they like, and they like scaled that back. Sure, in Godzilla vs Kong. Well, not, not really. Well, I mean, we're, we're flying, girl, we're flying into the Hollow Earth and fucking little uh, ships. Sure. So I mean, but what I'm getting at is the interaction between the the monster and human, where it's just simply we're just doing sign language. It's not this intricate machine that, right. my, that only my mom can understand Which is that the, is backfiring on us because we thought we were just opening, you know, awakening one monster at a time. I don't know. That just is like bullshit after bullshit totally. to me. And, and I think it's the worst part of King of the Monsters. I agree. And, and I will say that, yeah, that's all just screenwriting bullshit to like facilitate the monsters to fight. So I agree with that, but at least there are people that, um, I don't know. I, it, 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 it it's just the like, it just didn't feel like it took like it just I don't know. It was directed very I feel bad cuz I really really like Adam Wingard and I think it's good and well directed. But I didn't feel like it gave enough awe, like really like that wonderment that that when you look like you I didn't feel like a you know like Godzilla shows up and like you said he looks small. And like it's like oh, oh like literally it's like someone off camera Godzilla is here. Okay, you said And I was like, gonna, "Huh?" You said we're not going to spoil it. Well, you said we we're going to name a threat. I got to know what you're thinking now. Mecha Godzilla. I think by that time the movie's over, so I don't really it's cool. It's awesome. But I feel like the you, movie's you, you were pro Mecha Godzilla? What know, do you mean pro? Like you liked the character. You thought he was cool. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, the way that there's that after credit scene in King of the Monsters where we learn that uh, Jonah, the eco-terrorist, is like buying one of Ghidorah's yeah. heads. I thought for sure Ghidorah was going to be the villain in this. Well, they can't because it costs a lot of money to use Ghidorah. In real life. Right. So I knew he wasn't going to be in it because they did, they're they not going to pay Toho again right. for Ghidorah. So until I- they do, by the way. They will. They may. But currently, I knew I'm like they're not. He won't be in this. So I was like real surprised to see uh, Mecha Godzilla. Well, let me tell and you, I this. almost kind of feel like that's you... too far down the road. I feel like that's Godzilla vs Kong two. You know let, what I mean? Let me ask you this: Did you in your head? Did you put together that that is Ghidorah? That well, they're using his brain so to power. Well, I know, but oh, Mecha Godzilla. I don't want to spoil the film. Okay. But Mechagodzilla gets out of control. Sure. And and when he gets Not out of- Not self-aware, but doesn't need a pilot anymore? Well, no. But I think the way I took it is that is now Ghidorah controlling- oh, I didn't Because it it's like using that. his brain. Oh, that's interesting. That was how I took it. So like once once they're disconnected from him, I was like, oh shit, like this is Ghidorah, but just in a- fucking like he's reborn oh, as a shit. robot i didn't i didn't read it as that that's crazy that's a cool thought i don't know like i feel like this film has there's never like but i'm i just i don't know i like i like big wonder i keep saying wonderment i'm not sure that's a word it's probably not okay so what about but, when they make it into hollow well, earth real, real quick i i like like even just simple stuff like in king of the monsters when they're like 
um, you know, Godzilla is the apex predator of, of, of all the, 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 the Titans from this world, but Ghidorah isn't from this world. Right. And they're like saying how he's an alien. Right. That's a holy shit moment. And to me, that's better than like anything in, you know, this movie just, I don't know. I don't know. There was just, it's just, I like, you know, the buildup. I mean, I've, I've, I've explained it, the buildup, the hype, the, the, the excitement, the questions, the the unsureness, you know. I mean, I don't think there's as good of a scene in this movie as fucking Rodan awakening and the, the people being swept up. I you know, you. Ghidorah putting his wings out with it, the it, with the cross. It's almost like Michael I, I don't think there's anything that visually stimulating in this movie. It's almost like Michael how do you pronounce his last name? Doherty. Doherty. He has more reverence. Yeah, for the monsters. I, yes. And so it's like it, them appearing as part of the spectacle, which is which is what I'm speaking to as loving, right? And and in Godzilla vs Kong, I feel like Adam Wingard was like, let's Fuck just get him going. Yeah, right. Which remember when you, I like more. Remember when you said so? So I like the build up more mm-hmm. than you know. This is this is like the Jaws thing for me. I think just like you know, I'd rather the build up and whatever. Um, but. I was going to say you, you, we were talking previously, I think in our two episodes ago, you were like, ah, oh, I saw a poster and it was like Kong looking at Godzilla and you thought, uh, for Kong, you thought, fuck him up. I didn't know who I was talking about. I just wanted him to fight. Well, what's funny is like in this movie, cause I know we're supposed to like Kong cause this is a Kong movie, mm-hmm. but I'm like, fuck him <laughs> up. No, I'm like, right. Oh, cause I, I want God. I'm like, Godzilla, fuck Kong up. Like, right. uh, I just love Godzilla. Uh, and you know what I did like? He is very I, pretty in this movie. I love him. I, I feel like the film does look... I feel like the film answers who wins the fight. I do too, yeah. So that was cool. That they, It wasn't... Uh, I heard I heard people online talking about... Well, fuck. We can't spoil it. Never mind. So never mind. I, I shouldn't... Let's not talk about who wins or whatever. Okay. Um, but, but I like... There wasn't... The, there was no bullshit. There was no bullshit, but I will say like in previous films... Nope. Never mind. It's too spoilery. I'm not going to say it. But... uh. I thought there was, so we can, I was fine with it. Like the outcome. Okay. So we can agree on the fights. Yes. Uh, I think the fights are awesome. I don't think they're shot very well, but I think they're good enough. We are disagreeing on pace and how characters are brought about. Yep. And we're disagreeing on human characters. So it sounds like we're differing quite a bit yeah. on Godzilla vs. Kong, but we ultimately, I guess I like it more. I really than liked you did. it. I've seen it twice. Uh, I think it's a fucking blast. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy everybody's loving it. Yeah, that's I, awesome that it's doing I, well too, like commercially. I get concerned. I Okay, here's what I would say. Okay. Be careful what you wish for because everybody out there. Is like I love this movie. They reduce the human characters. There's almost no humans in it. Next movie should have no humans in it. And I, I always think, man, be careful what you wish for because what's what what's next is Rampage, the fucking Dwayne Johnson movie. But that movie was okay. Uh, okay <laughs> is not great. And then what's next is Pacific Rim Uprising. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that's how close we are to getting out of control. It'll be interesting to see. If and how they follow up this film. For sure. And, it, you know, it's funny. They've clearly not planned a next movie. And I think that was due to the, bo- 
know the box office of King of the Monsters. King of the Monsters. And it's so funny because it's like now I feel like WB and Legendary are like, oh, people did want to see these. Right. They just didn't really turn out for that, which I that movie made a fuck ton of money. That movie cost a lot to make. Oh. This one only cost, I think it was 160. It's fucking made like $400 million worldwide. And that's not including HBO Max uh, drive for, for WB where they're like, well, this is all we care about now is driving those subscriptions. So like there's no way to even measure how big of a success it is. If it made 400 million only costs 160 and is going to continue to make more and HBO Max, I think it's they have to make more. Here's the problem. They had uh Legendary had a a contract with Toho through 2020 and it ended. Oh. So now we're in this no man's land and I know this is all inside baseball. You know, I like this shit. So the next question is you know, because everybody's like, oh, well, they should do a Mothra movie. I was reading that on Twitter. And it's like, well, they're going to have to do something with Toho now. Like, for all that shit, right. that's why nobody's really in this movie. Because it costs money. It was That that was the story behind King of the Monsters. That's why I ended up not making money. Because they had to pay so much they, to Toho. They had to pay those three monsters. And that's a fuck. It was God, not just you know Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, and Ghidorah. Ghidorah. And by that time, they never made money. Right. But it was to set this up, which they don't own uh, Kong. Who does? Nobody. Is it like a public domain character? Sort of. So I looked it up. Universal owns it in some capacity. But Universal sold off like the Kong sequel rights to WB and Legendary. But they still somehow own like their King Kong. So you can do it, but you just can't do certain elements. Gotcha. It's just like um, what the, what's the there's a comparison that's just like this where it's like that anybody can make it but it can't include this sure um, and that's sort of what's going on here but uh, I don't know and then Adam Wingard was saying he was going to direct a King Kong sequel to Peter Jackson's movie did you hear that that no that's weird I guess in like 2005 or six or something he was he was supposed to make a sequel to Peter Jackson's mm-hmm. King Kong and it's like now he made this. You know, I haven't seen the original or either remake. Oh, you haven't seen Peter Jackson's? I haven't seen any King Kong. It's awesome. And I want, that was my like, it was on my to-do list before we recorded, but I never made it. Um, Peter Jackson's King Kong is awesome. We, That's what I hear. Me and my, you know, Ben, me and my brother, we loved it. Like, mm-hmm. I have the extended cut on Blu-ray. Like, That's what I'm not, afraid of. I think I'd rather watch the. It's long as fuck. Even the theatrical? Even the, yes. Oh. Very long. And not near as good as, and. I shouldn't say not near as good. Not near as a blast as Kong Skull Island. Like, this is a real movie, and it's fucking Peter. I had a tweet recently I never tweeted. Remember when Peter Jackson made fucking movies? Mm-hmm. And then he got, and then he died making those Hobbit, Hobbit movies? movies. I mean, what happened to Peter Jackson? Right. Like, he got stuck so long in, what is that, what is it called? Middle Earth? Right. Like, it's like his career went to Middle Earth and died. It was like the last thing we heard, though. Wasn't he doing, like, new transfers for Bad Taste in uh, Dead Alive? I'll be dead. But that by was the like years ago. Yeah, I know. It's like, please. I guess let's get to our ranking, huh? Yeah. Can, can we say that was our review? We both like it. I like yes, it much for sure. more than you, though. It sounds like. I I'm just so conflicted. I don't know. There's something off about Godzilla versus Kong, and I feel like if you just look at the way the action is shot and the what about when he fucking breathes fire into the Hollow Earth? That wasn't a spectacle enough for you. 
again, it happened. And I think that's part of it too. Everything happens so fucking quickly. I think that's why I like it. It's like so much. It's like the thing happens in hollow earth. Godzilla looks at the ground and then, and then then it's like next scene, next scene, next scene, next scene. I'm like, fuck. Like I have a theory. I have a theory. We're conspiracy theorists here. I have a theory about all of this. Okay. Lay it on me. Uh, puppeteers. Um, puff tarts. I have a theory about all this, which is this film seems cut. I don't think this movie was an hour and 45 minutes. Huh? I think this is total speculation. Okay. I think this movie was longer and Godzilla King of the Monsters came out, didn't make money and they got scared and they reduced it to this so that it could have more show times and make more money. And I think that there's, I, I think there's a longer movie out there and they're lying now because it's doing so well and people love it. And what they love about it, it, part of what they love about it is the frantic pace. And it, to me, I think there's a longer movie of this out there or was at some point And they're like, Hey, make it an hour and 45 minutes. Well, like God, I, I don't think Adam Wingard wrote an hour and 45 minute movie. Well, I don't think so. Well, well, God bless King of the Monsters for hitting just a, sure. a fucking rolling ball to shortstop that they just were able to throw out at first. I will say the other part of this, I saw it in IMAX and Oh yeah. Speak your theatrical experience. Yeah. So I mean, you and Ben went just the two of you. Yeah. Here's the problem. I saw Tenet in IMAX in August. Okay. And so that was like the awe-inspiring shed a tear moment that we had where like it was seeing Tenet in August was one of the greatest movie experiences of my lifetime. Okay. So going now was extremely exciting, awesome, but it wasn't that emotional. Like I think everybody's going to be movie fans, losers like us are going to have that, I'm I'm joking, but are going to have that emotional experience when they go back. Well, I kind of went back in August. So going back this time felt almost normal. And that was emotional in itself. When we went in August, it did not feel normal. Like it felt like an alien fucking place. When I went back this time, there was people there. They're buying popcorn. Kids were there. Everybody was wearing masks. We sat down and it was a movie and we left and I, and so was it a full auditorium? It was, but they can't, they have to have seats between every group, but yes, it, it, oh. it seems sold out to me. Gotcha. Um, and people clapped when it ended and Ben and I cringed. Um, but, and then, uh, I will say the other part, uh, I did not have those women in our screening whooping and wooing. whooping and wooing. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no full IMAX sequences in this movie, which no one would know about, but I saw it in IMAX and it never went full IMAX, which I thought was odd. Um, I don't know. This feels like a film that WB didn't, was not confident in. I I don't know if you, and and then all of a sudden everybody loves it and it's making a fuck ton of money because it feels like, you know, there's no post-credit scene, right? You know, and it's just very odd. But I, I also did read about the post credit scene that the post credit scene is in the movie. They just took it off the post credits. Oh, what is it? Uh, well, so I won't spoil it, but the final scene in the movie was the post credit scene. It has to do with Hollow Earth. That used to play after the credits. Hmm. I'll tell you. I mean, I'm drawing a blank on it somehow. That's your favorite movie of the year so far. So, so no, my favorite E Dog right, as of right now, E Dog's favorite horror film is Psycho Gorman. I haven't seen it. Yep. Okay, let's okay. let's get into ranking. Yeah, we're sorry trailing. about that. We're and trailing. I, by the way, so everybody out there, I'm sorry. We're just. I we're, wish I loved it. We usually didn't. Tra- we usually don't trail till the end of the episode, though. No, we usually trail the whole fucking time oh, okay. because this you got is. Me there. Yeah. 
Okay, so All please right. let me not talk. Okay, so uh, we're now ranking the Warner Brothers Legendary Universe, and my least favorite of the four, as I've already said, is Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And what turns me off here is the fucking humans, the bullshit uh, uh, plan that they have, and uh, how sidelined Godzilla is. You you complain about him not being a big spectacle in in... Godzilla vs. Kong. Well, shit, he's not even in fucking King of the Monsters for like half the fucking film. Uh, I call this the Dark Knight Rises syndrome, where my problem with the Dark Knight Rises is Batman's like not in that movie. Right. Um, And this is very similar. He's sidelined. I absolutely agree. It's one of the most frustrating parts about uh, King of the Monsters. But the other monsters and their awakenings and reveals are so fucking awesome. You feel that void fills your Godzilla void. Yeah, that void is sort of... um, you know, like, remember when fucking the, there's a hurricane coming this way and it's fucking, uh, Ghidorah, like it's like a fucking storm. Right. Anyways. Tropical storms don't move that fast. Exactly. Right. Um, I don't know if there's anything I like about this film. You know, one, another great thing about Godzilla vs. Kong is like that final fight is like in the day. Yeah. It's like clear as fucking, like you can see what's happening. And in fucking King of the Monsters, it's like there's a blizzard in Antarctica or uh, the storm that Ghidorah is causing. Like there's there's so many visual uh, blockings yeah. to the monsters. I feel you know with Rodan, Here, it's it's the fucking fire or whatever. Here, here's what I you would can't say. see anything in, in this film. I don't disagree. Here's what I would say: is be careful what you wish for, which is. In King of the Monsters, when you do finally see it, Godzilla looks like fucking a joke. Like, Godzilla looks like a fucking... You're talking King of the Monsters? I'm talking King of the Monsters. You said Godzilla looks like a joke? In two scenes. Okay, lay him on me. One is Ghidorah, uh, like, takes him up to, like, space. Oh, drops uh, him. And drops him. It looks like a cartoon, because it's a fucking giant lizard. Right. And then the other is at the end when when all the monsters bow to him. Mm. Uh, He, like, turns and looks at him. Uh, it's funny. Uh, I think it, once you reveal and show it too much, Godzilla looks like a joke. You're not, you're not wrong. I mean, he's got these like thick ass thighs and shit. He looks stupid. That's how I feel about, uh, in Godzilla vs. Kong. And similarly, it's like in Jaws when they don't want to show the rubber shark. Now this is different because of the design of the monster is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But like the reason they don't want to show it in there is because the rubber shark looks bad, so we don't show it a lot. And I'm not trying to say Godzilla looks bad, but on screen, you know, it's comical. It's a giant lizard standing there. Mm -hmm. And I think my concern with this movie, there's so many shots of him when they show him too clearly, I think it looks funny. Mm -hmm. And I just, that's what bothers me is like, I feel like he's, he's, he's left out to dry a little bit. Like, you know, like there's like several, you know, when Godzilla looks at anything, it's like kind of funny. You almost want to laugh because it's so ridiculous. And he has that cute little face. Um, so, oh, you're talking about, you can't see anything. Right. That's why you can't see anything because Ghidorah looks fucking ridiculous. He does. Like when he takes off, if you don't just, if you're not just awe inspired by it, if you look too closely, like, really that's how he's designed i agree with that like just like personally like i don't think he looks cool like, right like this three-headed dragon like that's not like a cool looking image but uh, to me when he has like this thick bottom that looks weird but 
when you obscure it and put him as a silhouette with the fucking lightning behind him, mm-hmm. and it's those three heads, like that is what I'm talking about in filmmaking where you know, you filmmake around it, which unfortunately is obscuring the monster. And I totally understand what you're saying, but I think unquestionably the best film, eh, I don't want to give you my number one. It does that the best in my opinion, but we'll get to that. Okay. So, 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 oh, sorry. So it wasn't, my rebuttal was simply to, you can't see them. And I actually agree with you. It is hard to see them, but I think that's by design. You know, I was, I was watching, I think I, I think it was an interview with Guillermo del Toro, and he was talking about how on the Terminator Two commentary, James Cameron says that's what he did was like he put a lot of environmental like effects, you know, yeah. like smoke or something, to like hide um, the special effects, right? But that movie still looks fucking amazing. But it does. I for mean, a I, I don't have that complaint about T Two about them, uh, you know, obscuring. But it's important, the films. like for scale, like. At the end of King of the Monsters, the whole city is like destroyed around him. Mm-hmm. And so it's just Godzilla like standing there on a hill mm-hmm. and you lose all scale. When Ghidorah takes him up into like the stratosphere and drops him, he looks small. Mm. Like you lose scale when you have nothing in the foreground. Gotcha. And I think that's what Gareth Edwards is so good at. And it's almost kind of comical because if you look at all of his shots and also in Rogue One, uh, there's always something in the foreground for you to understand the scale on the screen. I and I I am infatuated with that filmmaking. I think Godzilla looks the best in Gareth Edwards. Oh, no film. question. No Out of question. all these films, that's when he looks the best. I almost wonder if if that film wasn't the way it was, if I would like these films as much because I mm. think. I'm that one set the tone for you. Well, and it set like how Godzilla is and looks. Uh, and so now, even when it's not perfect, I still think of that Godzilla when I see Godzilla King of the Monsters, even though he looks kind of stupid at the end of King of the Monsters. I don't know. So your number four is King of the Monsters. Yeah, it is. And it, I feel like King of the Monsters is going to be one of those films where like, you know, every couple of years I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm going to give it a chance now. I just don't get so focused on like stupid. I know that I'm saying that I don't like the dialogue in Godzilla versus Kong. So my number four is Godzilla versus Kong. Really? Yeah. Interesting. It's my least favorite monster versus movie. Interesting. Hang on one second. We're, we're actually, we'll do this on the podcast. We're, I'm receiving a call from Lucas Middleton. Okay. Let me, let me announce to him that we're on the podcast. Hang on. He's finally on the pod. Lucas, you're you're live to tape on the Ghoul Squad podcast. What's up? Hey, what's going on, bro? <laughs> what's up? <laughs> you're literally coming through the microphone. So why are you calling me? For later. Okay. Uh, well, we're almost done. Are you calling to see if we need beer? Yes. Oh, you have anything to say to the Ghoul Squad out there? Uh, drink Milton's. Oh, drink Milton's. Uh, I'll call you back here pretty soon. All right. Okay. Peace out. All right. Goodbye. That was Lucas Middleton's premiere on the Ghoul Squad podcast. There uh, might be, is that still on the table or should I not say anything about Milton's and Ghoul Squad? Not yet. Not okay. Yet. So, holy shit, I'm hitting my mic. So, <laughs> I know. So, okay. Sorry. Fuck. I, I feel like I'm ruining this podcast because I'm like disputing. So, my number four is Godzilla versus Kong. Okay. 
And I feel like in that film, like there is dumb shit in it. Uh, or I'm sorry, in, in uh, King of the Monsters, there's bad and stupid dialogue that I don't like. Like I don't like when Bradley Whitford is like, the old Sirisawa, let them fight. I used to love when he'd say that. Well, there's a part where someone goes, God, and he goes, Zilla. Yeah, like there's dialogue in Godzilla, King of the Monsters that I really don't like. But I think Godzilla versus Kong is full of dialogue like that. Hmm. And so when you say you don't like the characters, I think at least they're people. I think in this, they're not people except for maybe Rebecca Hall and the little girl. And they're just kind of caricatures. Uh, but I will say in Godzilla King of the Monsters, the worst thing about it is like the fucking device that they have to fucking start. But I don't pay attention to that. And I feel like you the do. Orca. The Orca, right? I don't sure, care it's that. a huge plot point. Yeah, but the monsters, da. <laughs> Are only awakening because of the Orca. And you can't see them. No, That's I'm, true. Uh, yeah, anyways, my number four is Godzilla versus Kong. I feel like I've spoken about it at length. I feel like I'm ruining this podcast. Here's okay, so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go I'm gonna say my three. Okay, please. And here's the thing. There's only four films on this list. Yes. So even though I'm about to say what my third is, I still really like this film. I Does think Does that make sense? So I think my top three are three of my favorite movies of like the last fifteen years. I only don't like King of the Monsters. Nice. I only don't love I did not say don't like. I do like it. The I only don't love Godzilla versus Kong. Right. I love the other three films. So love them. right. So the other three films. Right. Even even though this next film is only number three, I like it a bunch. Sure. I just, I just want to make that clear. And it's Gareth Edwards. Um, wow. Two thousand fourteen. Godzilla. Godzilla. And it wasn't. It was. A, and it was two for a long time when mm-hmm. I was making this list. And it wasn't until Godzilla versus Kong that I, um, spoiler for my list, swapped them. Um, the thing about Godzilla vs. Kong is, you know, aside from me finally being able to connect emotionally with uh, the humans and the monsters, there's some, like, nerdy shit in there, which I'll say off mic, that I thought I was going to cry the first time I saw it because I just thought it was that cool. Like, I thought it was in, that neat in Godzilla vs. Kong. Oh, okay. And so that's why I swapped him. But in Gareth Edwards' Godzilla vs. Kong, uh, I'm actually pro now uh, taking so long for Godzilla to show up. You know, he doesn't show up until he's barely in it. The hour mark. And, yeah. I, and at first I was like, eh, but now I'm like into it. It almost feels like, uh, I can respect it more because of how much he set up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the latter films are able to do what they do because of the foundation he set. Um, and what yeah, I, been- I was speaking to that earlier where I really think that if this film wasn't as good as I think it is, um, I, I'm not sure I would love the rest of these as much as I do, but that what he set right, like and Godzilla, not just not just the story elements, the way Godzilla is portrayed, that made me like I'm the biggest Godzilla fan on the planet. Like right. this is the fucking sickest thing I've ever seen, and so I agree that that really for me was like I need to see everything. Like God's make them all. Like I right. want to see them over and over again. Yeah, right. um, and then what I keep complaining about here are the human characters. Sure. And while the human characters in this may not might not be great to the other human characters, what I like about it is they have no fucking agency. interaction. No, with the monsters. Well, agency with the monsters, yeah. Right. The monsters are going to do what they're going to fucking do. Yep. And the humans do have a task that they have to complete, which is retrieve the, the newt from the female. And Aaron Taylor Ludo. Johnson is basically Forrest Gump. Like he's everywhere he's supposed to be. <laughs> right. Like, well, we I don't know how to disarm bombs that old. I do. Right. True. Like it's fucking 
absurd. But it's not the fucking orca. Sure. And I love that the human characters, sure, we're in there, but we, like, Godzilla and, and you know, the the, the Muto, Mutos, like, you know, they're fucking untouchable. Yeah. And I love that portrayal of, like, humans are just fucking insects, and they're going to do what they have to do, and the fucking giant monsters are going to, yeah. like, be them. And I really, and, that, and this is the only film in the MonsterVerse that does that. Yeah. Where the humans and monsters are separate. And I think that is the best thing about uh, Gareth Edwards' Godzilla. Yeah. Is the monsters are the monsters and the humans are in their place. I, uh, I'll, I'll just talk it again. So, yes, your number three. My number three was Gareth Edwards' Godzilla. Uh, my number three is Kong Skull Island. Okay. I struggled with this because I this might be the second best movie. Um, but I almost wanted to go... Well, never mind. I'll spoil my list, but I think it's already pretty clear. Um my number three is Kong Skull Island. And like I said, this is the, the next three are films I un, uh, unabashedly love. And uh, yeah, this is just like a total, total delight. This Agreed. is this is a film that you sit back and don't give a fuck. And uh, this is kind of like Jordan Vogt Roberts is uh, kind of like on the radar as like, the, I'm just so surprised that like this is the movie you guys made. Like, he okay, so he said he went to Legendary and 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 was like, I was thinking of this image of Kong in the silhouette, like a Vietnam film, like Apocalypse Now, silhouetted with the with the sun in the background, with helicopters going towards him in slow mo, in slow mo, and they were like, "Cool, go make it," and that was it. That he got Kong Skull Island based on that, and I feel like the film shows that. Like, that's all it is, is this visual feast of ridiculousness. So much so you end up with like Tom Hiddleston with a katana. Right. Like, it's like everything Jordan Vogt Roberts has ever wanted to shoot. So much so there's a reference and tribute to Cannibal Holocaust in in Kong Skull Island. And Old Boy. Yeah. So we're like in banana land. Um, and, and it's, and you know, it's like every song that's ever been in a Vietnam war movie is sure. in every single one is sure. in this. Uh, and thank God it's a Warner brothers movie. Cause I'm assuming they own the Warner music. Uh, you know, it's funny that you're saying all this cause you're like giving me other reasons why I like it so yeah. much. Yeah. I mean, this is just like, you know, and you have, you know, John Goodman spewing nonsense, you know, and then you have characters that are basically worthless, but they're, they look good. You know, you have Brie Larson, Tom Hiddleston, um, Samuel, Jackson. Samuel Jackson. And then you have people that like character actors that we love. Um, uh, what's his fucking name? I know his name. Um, John C. Riley. Shea Wiggum. Oh, dude. I love Shea Wiggum, but I feel like he's, he's the poor man Viggo Mortensen. I would have never thought. I like Viggo. I mean, Viggo Mortensen's awesome. I don't yeah. think he's. He doesn't remind me of Viggo Mortensen. Oh. Uh, Toby Kevill's in this. And to- he, Toby Kevill. He's in, in Servant. And you know, Toby Kevill did the mocap for Kong in this movie, and I don't really. Yeah, that's what it says in the credits. Interesting. Um, it's just weird, but yeah, I mean, this is just uh, Dr. Dre is in this movie. Yeah, uh, from that well, film. So is the guy who played Eze. Yes, and you know, this is just so like a, wasn't Straight Outta Compton a Warner Brothers film? I don't know. I want to say yes. Uh, so, you know, to sort of wrap up my Kong Skull Island stuff, like this is just... And then Ice Cube's son was in King of the Monsters. Yes. O'Shea Jackson Jr. Yes. Uh, this is just a, a feast of bullshit. 
And what I love was I'll never forget, like when I walked out of it, I saw this with Wes, shout out to Wes and IMAX. This is an incredible IMAX viewing experience. And when I walked out of it, I was like, you know, I feel like, I feel like I saw something new today. And what I meant by that was like, I really feel like parts of this movie are almost just a montage. And I feel like that's, this is sort of, um, purposely devoid of like story. I, I feel like this is like a music video and a video game movie. Mm. Like there's like first person. Um, I don't know. This, this is when I walked out of it, I was like, wow. Like I just would have never, this is not how I would have ever seen a Kong skull Island movie being. And, uh, it's just a blast. I didn't. I guess you saying that's making me realize how much it's like his vision. Yeah. Right. Well, you think about it. I mean, anyone else that would have made it, there's no way it would have been like this. Right. No way. I mean, it's basically like, okay, I saw Apocalypse Now. You know, when I was twelve. Exactly. <laughs> and now I'm gonna make Apocalypse Now with a giant monkey. Right. But but with Is that I, a I, monkey? no as a music video. Right. Like it's it's absurd. Um, I get you. I'm with you. And there's good looking people to look at. So I'm, you know. I'm with you. And it's um I think this is mostly like a visual film for me. Uh and I really like it. It's a blast. So Kong Skull Island's my number three. Nice. Okay. Eric, your so number two. My number two is Godzilla versus Kong. Really? Okay, yeah. cool. And uh I kind of don't know what else to fucking say. Yeah, we've talked at about it at point length for sure. In the uh at this point in the pod, so I like it a bunch. Enough for it to be number two. For sure. What's your number two, Doc? My number two, uh, we've talked at length about, and I will have more to say about my number one, but my number two is Godzilla King of the Monsters. Okay. You know, this Tell is- Tell me why, Doc. Well, this, well, okay, because of Rodan awakening out of the volcano and gotcha. the people being swept up uh, into his- That was something I wanted to speak about with uh, Godzilla versus Kong. I feel like there wasn't enough terror. Um, mm. In this film, they, I almost feel like he wanted to have like, uh, his cake and eat it too. No, I, I feel I almost feel like he removed humans from from. There's only one scene that I can really remember, and it's like people running from Godzilla. And I, to me, I'm sorry to say this. Like, it, remember how I've said in the past where I feel like horror movies need more people screaming, mm. and it's like, why would you say that? And it's like because you can feel the terror. Mm. Um, in in Godzilla versus Kong, I feel like it's all just like fuck it. Like, nope. It, it reminds me of the end of Batman vs Superman where they're like, nobody's there. Uh, it's an abandoned factory. Mm. That way they can fight and they don't kill a bunch of people. And in this, like, I feel like, where are the people screaming? Like, where's right. the terror in Godzilla versus Kong? And um, in King of the Monsters, there is a lot of that. There's people running. There's people oh, screaming. Yeah. And, uh, and, and of course, I say the Rodan thing. That's part of that. And uh, I just... I just like the human interaction and the terror that, that comes with that. And I've talked a lot about this movie already. So I may just wrap up in saying for me, like the visuals, I understand that there's like particle effects in front of the monsters all the time. So you can barely see them, but I really think that that's by design. I think the orca stuff is horrible. I will say I like everyone in it, like Kyle Chandler, Vera Farmiga and Millie Bobby Brown. Please do your Kyle Chandler impression for me though. It's so good. And and this Ghidorah, uh, well, and and, and, the, and Godzilla, he, he's being being provoked. And, and and this Ghidorah, this Ghidorah, I'll never forget when he said that. I was like, Kyle Chandler, you don't need to be saying Ghidorah, <laughs> like it's so preposterous. Um, but 
Yeah, so, you know, I think that this treats the monsters as these legendary, like, no pun intended, legendary, like, myths that are, like, and it's shot, like, so much buildup, so much hype, and I'm talking the buildups in the film, and then, you know, the fights are good, I don't think the final fight is, like, the greatest final fight, but I just love seeing all these monsters, like, there's that shot, and again, this is like shots for me. Like, there's that shot where Millie Bobby Brown like senses Godzilla's arrival, and she like turns around and sees him, and she smiles, and he's like running, running. and the and the jets go overhead of him, and they're like, "We're gonna help him." I'm getting goosebumps. Like, I know you don't like the movie, that's okay. That is like, I live for that. Like, it's it's filmmaking for me more so than the orca bullshit. Like right. those sequences and that's why my number one's my number one that filmmaking aspect to where it's the shots it's the way it looks it's the build-up that's what i like that's what i respond to in these things and i think that kind of explains why godzilla versus kong where it's just like oh show up fight fucking whatever that's why i don't enjoy that as much uh you know what i think is interesting is i feel like there's a small conflict between king of the monsters and godzilla versus kong because the way King of the Monsters ends, Godzilla vs. Kong doesn't recognize any of that. Yeah. You know, so like for the example of there being a whole bunch of other Titans. The Titans, yeah. Did they all just go back home? I'm uh, pretty sure. Now they're all awakened. Well, let me tell you part of the problem with that. Okay, go ahead. The film is at such a breakneck pace. They don't have time to tell us. That I think that it's in one of the articles that shows on the screen. Oh. And then it's also, there's a screen in the background that says where all the Titans are at. It's a map but you can't see it because it's going so fucking fast. You don't hear any of that. Now, do we really need to hear expo- exposition, you know, about it? Not really. Sure. But sure. I, I agree with you that there is some of that. And there's, there's also, I don't think it follows the rule of Godzilla. Like, but I, I can't explain why, because it's spoilers. So just never mind. And then there's that idea that like the world is like flourishing now again because yeah. of the radiation from the other Titans. And it's like, they don't acknowledge anything like that. You're right. So yeah. there's, there's this weird, like, I don't know if devise the white cut word. off almost. Right. Right. That it's almost like the films aren't acknowledging each other. Well, it's definitely the same universe. And, and then, and then, and that's kind of what I'm saying by like, it feels like this had to have been, there's no way this, this movie started version. as an hour and 45 minute movie. I, I, here's the thing. Is there a finished longer movie? No, they may have never even shot the, the original two hour and 15 minute version that I'm guessing there is out there, but with the way it doesn't acknowledge the movie that no one liked, right? It kind of just, there's, I think or, they got rid maybe, of it. Or that's what I was going to say. Maybe Kyle just Chan- like on purpose. Yeah. And Kyle Chandler's in it, but he's sidelined. Yeah. He's only the, the lines that he has are brief. Yep. Right. Yep. Anyways, so, my number two is Godzilla King of the Monsters. I, I totally understand that this is not everybody's favorite. I rewatched it for this and I fucking love that movie. So this is sort of my Pacific Rim uprising for you. Gotcha. Where I I don't see it. I see the Orca bullshit. I see and that, that I'm sorry, I was getting to something there. You know, if it wasn't Vera Farmiga, one of my favorite actors, you know, <laughs> destroying the world with this stupid computer. If it wasn't her, I might not like it as much. I I have to explain my bias. Gotcha. But I love these people in this movie, especially Kyle Chandler and Vera Farmiga. So I'm willing to like not give a shit so much. So there's a bias there for sure. I, I I like these people. You know, I guess I see a flaw 
and like her motivation. Oh yeah. You know, the idea is that it's preposterous. Uh, like the, the word preposterous, that's this fucking plot that you're about to describe. Right. You know, and it, and it, I almost feel like, ah, maybe it's not that bad. You there's know, a line. I'm sorry. There's a line she has that is atrocious. She's what's the girl's name? Millie Bobby Brown's character. I can't remember her fucking name. Damn it. I can't remember her name, but she's like Maddie is Maddie there. Well, you're, you're, you're putting Maddie in danger. And she says, Maddie is here and she's stronger than she ever has been. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, and she couldn't be stronger. Oh, right. I was like, what are you, what is this? Uh, so it's uh, not perfect. No, no, you're right. No, I'm, I'm actually going to like work through the platform moment. To, okay, sure. To, to make me kind of feel better about not it. Not that we need to digress any further. Okay. okay, so humans have just destroyed planet Earth. Sure. Right. You're not going to do a logic thing on me, are you? No, no. Okay. I'm, I want to work through the plot to help me understand it. Okay, so. Because so, Mechagodzilla. Duh, I'm being serious right okay. now. Like I'm maybe maybe I'm coming around to King of the Monsters right now. I doubt it. Okay. So Godzilla. So <laughs> humans have destroyed Earth to a point of beyond repair. Yes. Right. And somehow she knows that the Titans, their like natural radiation will like replenish Earth. Yes. So she builds a machine. That can and, and so we learned that there's titans just scattered all around the globe, mm-hmm. and she believes that she can create a machine, or she has created a machine that will awaken these uh, titans one at a time. Yes, and uh, with their rate natural radiation will replenish Earth. So in waking up these monsters, she wakes up one that's not from Earth, right? And this one is so dominant. And wants to destroy Earth. Yes. That the Titans, that it can awake Titans on its own, and those Titans follow its will. Right. And, and that and, was and, unexpected and, and, because it's a it's an alien. Right. And and its will is to destroy, destroy Earth. Earth. Right. But if there was never no Ghidorah, then they would all And this Ghidorah. <laughs> they would they would just follow Godzilla and just roam the Earth happily? I guess. And replenish it for us? I, it, You know, it's the same. I, I guess when I first saw that, I thought, well, she's awakening Titan, Titans, and aren't the Titans just going to destroy Earth? But I guess they wouldn't because they'd be following Godzilla. But, but I and will, Godzilla is a good guy. But I will also say that, like, it's the same plot. The bad guy is actually has good intentions, which is humans are so bad for the Earth that our plot is to, let's say it was a nuclear bomb or a hydrogen bomb or whatever. We're going to blow up the world, even if it kills me and my family, because we shouldn't be here. We shouldn't, the world needs a, you know, the world needs a new start. Right. And while while that's preposterous and she does care about her family, so that it doesn't add up. And that's what I think. I I don't think it adds up. I feel like me just explaining just now, it kind of makes some sense. It, well, I think it's important. It makes some sense, but it's preposterous bullshit. Right. It's ridiculous. And all it is is screenwriting to get to what we get to. Right. To get but, Ghidorah. But why and, are we so focused, fight. not you, I'm saying the film, on this fucking box? Right. You know, that is, re- you know, come on. Like, I mean, wouldn't it have been simpler if it was just like 
there was a mining accident in at in Antarctica and it awoke in Ghidorah. I here's what I Couldn't think. Couldn't we have just done that or something? I think it's screenwriters thinking, I've got it. Gotcha. I've got it. Here's how we integrate the characters. And then, and and then Ghidorah could have just woken up Rodan and then yes. that could have been it. And it's that thing we talk about a lot where it's where it's here's my take. You know, everybody wants to be outsmart film. Sure. I'm saying screenwriters. Sure. And what you find out is the simpler take would have been better like Godzilla 2014. But I do say that knowing at the same time that does sometimes lead to an incredible movie like evil dead 20 evil dead 2013, the remake. Sure. That screenwriter saying, well, how do we do this now? And it's like the whole kicking the addiction. Sure. That's what that movie's about. And so, that's just an example of like, well, sometimes that works. Mm-hmm. Some, some, because I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just a fucking idiot in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes screenwriters do figure out like, oh, here's the take, and it is good. And sometimes, most of the time, it's like just put Jason in the snow killing kids. Right. We don't need. There's pot farmers and all right. this bullshit. All we need is Jason in the snow killing kids. And to an extent, all we need is cool shots of monsters fighting each other. And, and in my, for me, people in terror, that's all I need. But instead we get, you know, okay, Godzilla 2014. Well, what if he's a weapons expert? What if he's, he can dis- disarm the bomb. Right. And it's like that Spielberg way of thinking where it's like, we need somebody to be involved in it too, which only Spielberg can actually do well. So anyways, fuck, sorry. Yeah. I digress. So, I mean, I'm glad I worked through it. I like, King of the Monsters. What, did you say your number two? Yeah, mine was Godzilla vs. Kong. So my number one, obviously, is Kong Skull Island. Wow. And this movie just like really... Unexpected. Works uh, for me uh, from the cast. And you know, I think one of the reasons I like it so much is exactly what you're sort of... I don't know if you were complaining about it. No, no. Uh, I but, love that movie. But all the references. Sure. Right? You know, it's, it's yeah, it's let's make a Vietnam film. Uh, you know, with uh, Kong. But uh, outside of that, I like that um, there is kind of like the human threat, uh, you know, with Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. Uh, when when they first make it onto the island, they're dropping seismic charges. Yeah. And they're doing this because... To map Hollow Earth. That's what they say. But you learn that Dr. Randa's real reasoning is they're trying to bring out whatever monsters may be uh, underground skull crawlers. And so that's the first time I've said it to anybody. <laughs> it sounds stupid now when yeah. I say it. Oh, I have to say this before I forget. Uh, it's an, it, it sounds like a bat, but it's a fucking ant. That is such a good the, for, for only getting one F word, uh, you know, a PG 13 film, man, John C. Yeah. Riley knocked that one there's, out of the park. There's one in Godzilla versus Kong. It's Millie Bobby Brown. She's like, what the fuck is this? Uh, I thought that was cool too. It kind of, I, I have a quick statement before you keep going. Okay. I think Michael Doherty took notes from, uh, Gareth Edwards, 2014 Godzilla. And I think Adam Wingard took notes from Kong skull Island, Jordan vote Roberts film, because I feel like they are more in spirit than gotcha. Godzilla 2014 and King of the monsters. Those two films feel in spirit and Kong Skull Island feels in spirit with Godzilla versus Kong. Right. Uh, so uh, they're dropping these seismic charges, and immediately Kong starts uh, fucking to them attack up. them. 
And one of the things I like about Kong Skull Island is there's a level of violence in this film that I don't think is in uh, these other three films. Uh, and I'm not talking monster on monster. It is Kong like fucking up these human characters. If you remember, he like throws a tree yeah. uh, through uh, one of the helicopters. One part that I think is super fucked up is a helicopter is chasing Kong, like shooting him. And there's another uh, helicopter coming straight on. Kong jumps out of the way. So the helicopter that's shooting shoots the pilots yeah. of the people. And you like see them like the blood. Right, get like hit I by the it, bullets. Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, and the holy blood, I think, fuck. I think it hits the, uh, the, the windshield. Right, and you like see them like, you know, like convulse from yeah. where they get hit. And I'm like, holy shit. And there's like a it, scene. And again, it's like he saw every movie ever made and then made his own movie based on that. Yeah. Right. And then and then just continuing with the violence, uh, there's like a scene where a character gets uh, like taken away by like a, one of the monsters that can fly. Yeah. And you see him like get like dismembered like yeah. in the sun. It reminded me of Colin Trevorrow's uh, Jurassic World when that like publicist or whatever that chick. Remember? Do you remember Jurassic World? I'm not World? sure if I've seen those. Oh, okay. I've, I've definitely seen there's some of scene, the recent ones. There's this scene that people complain about in that movie because there's this totally like person that doesn't deserve to die mm-hmm. gets picked up by pterodactyls and gets ripped apart mm. um, and dropped in the Mosasaurus, a, a, the big sea monster um, mouth and dies. And it's like horrendous. But the rest of Jurassic World is like a, almost kind of like a kid's movie. Okay. And uh, that's one of my favorite scenes in that movie because mm. it's very mean-spirited. And uh, I remember that when I was watching Kong Skull, I was like, holy fuck. Like, right. they're ripping him apart. Right. Uh, There's so, that Shea Wiggum sacrifice. Oh, yeah. He thinks he can stop one of the skull and crawlers. Like, so so he... Uh, uh, he Pulls the pin on a bunch like of grenades. Sacrifices himself. But instead, the skull crawler just whips him with his tail, and Shea Wiggum does nothing. He just explodes. He in just the explodes on the side. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the violence, we just named all the actors already yeah. that I think are great. The characters, um, all the references. We already said Cannibal Holocaust. We already said uh, Old Boy. The, the, their one fuck is so great. The, the, and then just like the nerdy part that you already pointed out with Tom Hiddleston and a gas mask and a katana. And just, like a first person view. Like, right. It's absurd. Um, I guess me and Jordan Voigt Roberts have similar tendencies. Yeah. <laughs> like filmmaking interests. And I guess I think, I think that's why Kong Skull Island speaks to me so much yeah. among these other and Three I think films. I think Kong Skull Island's working on like a meta level. It's working on like I said, video games. Like that's why he he's going to direct um, Metal Gear Solid. Uh, they just announced he's doing something for Netflix next, isn't he? Isn't it? Uh, it's Gundam. Yeah, yeah. I don't know which one's coming first. But uh, I saw it should be Metal, Metal Gear, Gear Solid. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, he's a big video game guy, and uh, I saw his first movie. Kings of Summer. Kings of Summer. I own it on Blu-ray. Yeah, it's a good movie. I, I really like that movie. That movie's really good. I, I like rewatched it within the last year or so. But yeah, I mean, Kong Skull Island is just a fucking all-out blast. It's just fun. It's it's all like a lot of it is like daytime. So again, it's like yeah. clear. And it has the best actor of all time, John Goodman. Monster action. Um I think it's just really I think it's the best of these four films. Well, that's surprising. I mean, I don't think anybody would have expected number one on either of our lists to be Kong Skull Island, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, Your number one is? Godzilla 2014. And rewatching this movie every time, like I know lines from this movie and I feel lame. I know this isn't everyone's favorite movie. I know that. 
And I know it has Aaron Taylor Johnson as an everyman. I like Aaron Taylor Johnson. I do too, but he's basically like a fake character that's like, I know how to, like I said, I know how to disarm this bomb. Like it's, and they're like, well, get on the train then, soldier. The part that bums me out. Like it's total horseshit. Is you know so the his father is Brian Cranston. Yeah, uh, he loses his wife whenever the I guess the first Mudo wakes up. Is that correct? Yeah, and so and you know and he's convinced that it wasn't some type of um, it wasn't breakdown. an earthquake. Right. It wasn't. I can't remember. Uh, and so you know he keeps going into the it started territory. talking again, and right. I mean talking. Right. I I I love this movie. And so the only part that really bums me out about this film is like, so Aaron Taylor Johnson has to go to Japan yeah. because his father's been arrested. And he goes, babe, where are my pants? Yeah. It's like, God damn it. Yep. Yep. No, yeah. it's not. And, and and let's say Wanda is in this, mm-hmm. uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, his name, by the way, and okay, so let's get this out of the way. His name is Ford Brody. Wow. Like, come on. Like, what is going on here? Right. They're like, so, can we think of the whitest name possible right now? Let's think of Harrison Ford <laughs> and Chief Brody from Jaws. Like, right. we get it. And and But, dude, I will say right now, there is nothing that reaches the level of Godzilla's arrival in San Francisco with the bridge. And that, like, the school bus and, you know, he just arises out of the water and his hand is on the side of the bridge. And um, there's no score in that scene. And it is so Spielberg. Like, obviously he was inspired by Spielberg and it just reminds me of like, there are stuff in it that remind me of the first Jurassic park. Like that movie has a great score, but it turns off for these insane set pieces of, you know, the T-Rex and the kids in the, um, the school bus scene reminds me of the kids in, uh, in the vehicle with the glass, you know, it punch, have you seen the first Jurassic Park? Have we been over it's, this? It's been a real minute. But yes, All right, well, whatever. I'm. Everyone out there knows what I'm talking about. And uh, if you rewatch that, you notice there's no fuck. It's all audio. It's all uh, sound design. And that's what I love. You've heard me say this. I love set pieces with no score. And uh, that's that's what that. I'll never forget that his arrival and the way he shows up there. And then um, just just the skydiving sequence. Well, is so good. And it's better than any movie made in the last four years. Uh, there's like a moment of terror in that. Like they don't know like where they're going to land. Yep. And there's just like glimpses of yep. Godzilla. There's there's that breathtaking. That's the thing I think people don't give credit. This Maybe this is just me. And I'm not asking people to be me. I just don't think people give credence to the breathtaking. Breathtaking. One, the helo jump sequence in general to yeah that shot where he's and it's a and it's uh that's the 2001 music if anybody knows that i love 2001 space odyssey and he looks up and it's all you can hear is him breathing it has that score in the background and he sees godzilla's face and head and he like roars and you see his tongue and it's like flashing but it's all first person through his goggles I mean, there's nothing, nothing, nothing that awe-inspiring, gorgeously shot, and breathtaking in any of the other movies. Like, that is one of the most breathtaking moments in cinema. And I know I'm talking about Godzilla 24. I get it. That is breathtaking. Uh, and then the final fight. Yeah. Holy shit. It's so good. And here's what's crazy. So good. 
the simplicity in that final fight. Right. The final fight is so like the best part of it. One of the best parts is the tail whip. Right. That's it. But well, it's, for me, it's the breathing the fire down the throat. Well, and my favorite part of that is is when it detaches and Godzilla puts his arms down. He's, he just oh, drops no, it. No, but he's holding it for right. a second. He's holding the Muto's head. Right. He drops it and then he, he roars. Yeah. And it's just, again, the way so it's, good. it's breathtaking. And I think for me, I didn't think there was a whole lot of breathtaking moments in Godzilla versus Kong. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It just, to me, is not that awe-inspiring. It's it's fun. Oh, two monsters fighting. Great. We like monsters fighting. Cool. But it's not that breathtaking. You know, like a Rodan Awakening and King of the Monsters, The that shot of, of Ghidorah on top of the mountain with the with the cross in the foreground. Mm-hmm. The um, And like Ghidorah's putting his wings out and there's that cross. Like that is breathtaking. And so for me, those are what I latch on to. Not all the human stuff, not, you know, the stupid machine. Um, I think that stuff is bad. But the reason I like these movies, and especially Godzilla 2014, is, man, when he arrives and it's all quiet, there's no score, and he, like, just stands up. They're in, like, Chinatown right before Elizabeth Olsen goes in that shelter. Right. And he, like, stands up. And that's the first time he really roars at the camera. Well, sort of, because, man, there's too much to talk about. The airport scene. That's a set. The train sequence. The train sequence. And that's Spielberg, right? Save the kid. Indy. Right. To be honest with you, Indy, Indy is what's going on. Gets separated from his parents. And and so we don't care about it on Terrell Johnson, but we kind of do now. Oh, he's a nice guy. Like that's the Spielberg approach. He can't find his pants, but he's going to save the kid. And you know, this is, this film is the king of like, people should have saw it. Like there's that scene where they're going in Yucca Mountain, which is the facility that holds nuclear weapons. Um, And, they're like check. They're opening those things, the, those those things on the door, and they open one, and it's like the the sunlight comes through. But then, like they walk in, they're like, "Oh, it's all it's gone." Like right. it's and then there's a helicopter shot of helicopters outside, and the whole mountainside is gone. And it's like, okay, <laughs> obviously they would have known that prior to going in there. Like, how would they not know that? Um, but I don't know. It's just this is just I don't know. I like I just thinking about him standing there with the head and he like just drops it and roars. I'm like, so good. Greatest fucking thing I've ever seen. Uh, and then another thing that I like about 2014 Godzilla, and it's not abundant is I feel like this is the only film, uh, I guess in these three films, I'm not going to count Kong school Island that like kind of like respects that he's a Japanese character. Yeah. Uh, just from like the title card and I feel like a lot of the music just kind of like gives kind of like that vibe yeah. of uh, invoking that culture, right? And there's this, there's there, one of the big shots of him roaring. It's like they're in, it's like Chinatown, and it has those like little lanterns, right? And they're shaking, and, they, and they're shaking. They bust because he's like roaring. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, his arrival in in Hawaii is one of the most breathtaking things I've ever seen. There's that shot where his foot just like he like stomps, like it's like that. Fuck, man. Like, uh, the Muto is like, blows up all those fucking planes mm-hmm. and, and all those people. It's terror, right? Terror. People like, oh my God, like screaming. And the camera pans over because that fucking uh, plane is exploding in front of them. And then it pans over. The whole point is to get to, you see Godzilla's fucking foot drop down. And then it's like a shot, but it's not, it's not a wide shot of Godzilla. It's a close up of his foot. 
and it travels all the way up and Godzilla's face fills the whole fucking screen because he's all about scale. That's why Gareth Edwards is shooting him that way to show him as massive. And then he just roars at the camera. And then of course it, it immediately cuts to the kid watching the fight on TV, which I know frustrates you. But for me, it's that awe inspiring. Like that is breathtaking. Right. And so those are the, the stuff I respond to in that movie. And of course I totally concede, you know, Brian Cranston dying early sucks. Aaron Taylor Johnson being like the every man that can do everything that's but everywhere. can't find his pants. Right. But can't find where are my pants? And you know, I'll it's stop that one. preposterous bullshit, but this scene has so much awe inspiring, breathtaking moments that it's my favorite of the monsters. Uh, it's really, really good. I wonder if Toho was like, fuck, we got to make Shin Godzilla now. Yeah, for sure. Because they did such a good one. Yeah. I, I think the realism that the Gareth Edwards brought to the movie, like there's just a simple shot. Like when they go into like the, the contaminated zone in, in Japan, mm-hmm. there's a shot from like on the boat and it's like, uh, it, I think it's Brian Cranston, like sitting there straight, like with his back straight, but he has the gas mask on and, and it's just like gorgeous. Um, real quick, the first person shot of Aaron Taylor Johnson when the Muto gets out of that like facility mm. and uh, that's out in the middle of the ocean or whatever it is. No, they had the first one like in a facility. Remember, it's like just been like feeding yeah, on something that forever. One. That one. And um, it's a first person shot of, of the Muto like getting out. Oh, and when he's stuck. Wait, and he, he's still handcuffed. I think that transport vehicle still, but he puts that gas mask on. Yes. And it's a first person view through the gas mask and it's just, he's breathing. And the thing, the Muto gets up and then fucking his wings flap and he flies away off into the fucking clouds. Breathtaking. Isn't it the female that's the one that can fly? I I wasn't sure if it was the female or not, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. No, it's no, everything you're saying is, 100% 100% correct. Visual storytelling, right? Like you see like the sack with all the like eggs in it. Right. And you, it's ridiculous, but it tells you, oh shit, they're going to reproduce. You know, like there's the- A kajillion mutos. Yeah. And it's visual storytelling. They don't, they do say it. Sorry that they're trying to reproduce. But in that scene, we just see the sack and you're like, fuck. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just brilliant. I think it's, every time I watch it, I'm like, this can't be as good as I remember it's one of my favorite movies. Like these other ones I like Godzilla 2014 is one of my favorite movies. Like, all right, I'm gonna hit you with a hard hitting question. Let's hear it. Eric. It's like an impossible question, but you know, we're, we're better to ask than on the pod Cloverfield or 2014 Godzilla Cloverfield. Oh, okay. Done. That's what I and the said. podcast done. That's, that's what I would have said. Cloverfield is on my top 10 movies ever made. Godzilla 2014 is not close to that. Mm. Cloverfield is it could be top five. I think it is. I don't know. We did our top five recently. Um, no. Cloverfield, I mean, Cloverfield's one of my favorite. I mean, top 10 ever in any fucking genre. We really like Cloverfield. That's true. I think we should wrap up. I do too. Uh, I do have... Um, honorable mentions? <laughs> <laughs> that was nice that we'd have to do honorable mentions yeah. this time. No, I do have... Um, Episode suggestions for you. Sure. Maybe you can just rattle them off Absolutely. right now. I'd to love you. to hear it. Uh, we but, won't do any of them. You know, before this, I had said Rob Zombie. Yeah. Uh, but you recently texted me that you got that new Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. 4K? Yes. And with Army of the Dead coming next month, what if we finally did a Romero of the Dead uni- uh, 
Romero of the Dead episode. So does that include like Diary of the Dead? Yeah, I would want to do all six Romero and films. Survival of the Dead? I would want to do all six Romero films. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Yeah. Yes, let's do that. I mean, yes. yes. Just th- those are just a couple ideas. Diary was better than I remembered. I watched it recently yeah. for our uh, Dimension Extreme episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know I said this already, but I like, uh, you know, you learn that. I don't need to fucking say this. Never mind. Yeah. It's, I, I think, it, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I mean, what's our number one going to be? Like, in it, my it's opinion, so obvious. In my opinion, Dawn of the Dead is the best zombie movie ever made, period. But Night of the Living Dead is my favorite horror movie. So I don't know. Yeah. I'd probably go Dawn just because it, it is the better film. Boy. That'll be fun. I mean, obviously the top threes are going to be. No, I was thinking. Dawn Night Day. I was thinking Survival Duh. of the Dead would be my Duh. number one. Da, da, da. Island of the Dead. Da. Did you know that Day of the Dead? I was just thinking of this the other day. That Day of the Dead has been remade three times, and each one is like the biggest pile of shit ever. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of what happened to Return of the Living Dead. And you know what, da? Now they're doing that Day of the Dead TV series. Yeah. And guess who's directing? Who? Steven Kostansky. Oh, your boy. Of, yeah. Yeah. So like now I'm like, oh. What okay. about the Chucky TV series? Isn't that amazing that everyone's returning? It's getting wild. Here's what's funny. No one is going to care about that but us. Right. Like, I mean, people out there like Chucky, like us, but I'm saying this will not be the walking dead for people. Like, right. It, it, they're going to be for people who are invested, like who are still invested in the film. Like it's going to have Fiona Dora from like those little movies that we like. Like that's awesome. I'm it's so a continuation excited. of that. No, yeah. that's great for us, but we're a very small group. Gotcha. But, uh, I mean, I can't wait. That's exciting. I don't want more Mark Hamill, Chucky, my buddy. And with that, my only buddy, <laughs> I believe you make me happy. that is the end of our Warner Brothers Legendary MonsterVerse episode. It is, and I let us know I, if you made it this far. I get self conscious every or time when you turned it off. I apologize for talking so goddamn much. I tuned out a while ago. I've just been on me autopilot. Too. I've been on autopilot since I woke up this morning. Yeah. So what time is it? I should also say it is four o'clock. You're lying. I swear to God, we've been here for four hours. I hope not. That's my whole day, Doc. My day's ruined. <laughs> I thought we wanted to do the podcast. Uh, I should also um, say that Eric is sitting here doing this whole episode wearing a Pacific Rim t-shirt. Holy shit, it's four o'clock. Well, yeah, Doc, we're doing giant monsters. We're going to take a picture, right? You know, when it was Have still- Have the kaiju hit Cabo? <laughs> you know, when it was still overcast, it was rainy today. Yeah. I was going to say, let's go take pictures at the cemetery, but now, now it's all it's, fucking bright. Well, and now it's four o'clock. Oh, God damn. Yeah. Anyways, everybody out there in Ghoul Squad land, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we apologize for putting you through this much bullshit. Um, Eric, where can you find us? You can find us at Ghoul Squad FM on Twitter and Instagram. Yes. And you can pick up a shirt at tpublic.com. Just search Ghoul Squad. Yes. Uh, you can find us personally at Keeksta and at Eric Cruz138. Uh, thank you for listening. And now, by this time, I'm assuming Ghoul's You Back Off is playing. But I uh, just want to say thanks, everybody, for listening. This took uh, – oh, hopefully we do more episodes more often. I think we're on that track, Eric. Unless they're going to be fucking three hours long. Well, the world may never know. Yeah. Terrier. I wish you guys could see his face. I can't believe it's four. 
I thought it was going to be like two. I love you, Eric. Bye. Goodbye.